So let's just pray. Father, we thank you for this time. Thank you for bringing us together for the anoint this word, O oh Master, and let it bear much fruit in our lives. For it is your spirit that teaches us and guides us and it, it, uh, leads us into all truth as per your promise. And therefore, Lord, we receive it gladly because you are the one who teaches us. Therefore, Holy Spirit, teach us this evening time. Open our eyes and keep us alert and help us to know this truth. For it will bear much fruit in our lives. Yes, your word says so. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 I'm so excited about the word today. I've got so much notes. <laughs> but I'm not going to go through all of that. <laughs> For I'm a God. God has a God of mercy. So he's given a little mercy to me, you know. <laughs> so, uh, so, this was boiling in my spirit. Uh, so, last time we've been studying about righteous offering. How many of you have went through the message, the righteous offering last time. Uh, that's a pretty deep message and you, you cannot never exhaust that. Uh, we studied the book of Malachi. Malachi. Malachi, okay. Uh, on the, and of a righteous offering and that's how it closes. It closes that uh, God wants to accept you as an offering, not your tithes and your offerings. That is secondary. But he wants you as an offering. But he could never receive you as an offering because you are not a good offering to him. Right? You were all messed up and your righteousness was not enough. It's like filthy rags. You know? The, you know the Hebrew word for filthy rags is what they use for, what women use for their ceremonial uncleanness. <laughs> that is how God looks at your righteousness. He's like, that's the same word in Hebrew. Filthy rags. I know it is gross, but that's the God wants to communicate that much to you that your righteousness is like that. And He says, Come to me, come to me in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. You know, that then that, that's why nobody could ever come to God with his own righteousness. And he says, I want offering that is pure and perfect, and that is only possible. In Christ Jesus. That is the whole message of a righteous offering. Anytime you try to do anything otherwise and try to get to God with your offering, you, you come to Him as a robber. Because you are trying to steal something that you... It's, you are bringing counterfe counterfeit money. Yeah, so that's the center. That's why Jesus used very interesting. You know, remember when... Uh, uh, one day Jesus was walked into a house... And the Pharisees marveled that he did not wash his hands before he ate. And Jesus looked at them and said, You Pharisees are hypocrites because you wash the outside and you are unclean inside. And then he makes a very interesting statement. Give you tithe. He gets into tithing suddenly. He says, you tithe every rue and mint, everything. But give of what is inside you. See, he, 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 and he says, these you ought to have done without, do, without passing over the others. That means you, oh, you, oh, you disregarded justice and mercy. And you are, so he's saying, give of what is inside you. See, see that whole concept? God wants offering that is coming from inside. Your righteous offering. See, there, nobody could give it. The Pharisees couldn't do it. 
None of them. No, nobody could do it. So nobody has, we, we could never be righteous apart from Jesus Christ. And, but you can only be righteous in Christ Jesus. So that's the whole point. Okay. So where, where does it come from? Because remember when Zechariah, this really message started from the Christmas variety. When we, when we were studying Zechariah's prophecy that came, he says, God has sent this promise that he promised to our fathers. Let's go to Zechariah. Oh, sorry. Let's go to Luke chapter. And you'll hear this. Luke chapter 2 or 3. Let's go. Luke chapter Luke chapter 1. Now Zechariah was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied. He says, Blessed is the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people, and he has raised a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David. And he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets, who has been since the world began, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all those who hate us, to perform the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant, the oath that he swore to his to our father Abraham, that to grant us, see, to grant us, that means to gift us, that we should be delivered from the hand of our enemies, number one, that's why Jesus came, to deliver us from the hand of our enemies, number one, we might serve him, who him, serve God, without fear, that means for the first time, because of Jesus came, we can serve God without fear, and then, in holiness and in righteousness. righteousness. How, how long? All the days of his life. See the effect of Jesus. We think Jesus came just to save us from our sins. Really there is not even the mention of sin in there. In a direct sense, right? That we should be saved from our enemies. Number one. Number two. Should serve Father God without fear. That's the whole purpose. Not just to be saved from our sins. So God wants to be able to enjoy fellowship back with his children. You know, that we can serve this Father God without fear. So if you still have fear in your life, it is not from God. Because he, he gave Jesus to us so that we can now serve God without fear. Irrespective of how messed up you are, you can serve God without fear. Number two. Number three, in holiness, in holiness and righteousness. So obviously, Holiness and righteousness are not the same thing. Otherwise, the Holy Spirit will not use two words separately. Righteousness is, what is righteousness? Without blame. Perfectly before God. That means without sin. Not without sin, but in right standing. But God treats you as without sin. Perfectly before God. So we, sh we, we should be able to serve God in righteousness. Impos that is God's gift to us. Grant us, right? It says grant us, right? Grant us means gifted us. You don't have to do anything about it, right? Awesome. Ah, but then you use the word holiness. Why holiness? And that's the message today. See, because we, we miss, in English language, we use the word holiness to represent what? Goodness. Right? We think holiness as being righteousness. Right? We use that interchangeably, the English word holiness. But the Hebrew word holy means kodesh, means separated. Separated or sanctified or put aside, cannot be defied. That is holiness. Ah, I understand that God, Jesus delivered us from the hand of our enemies. I get that. Satan has no authority over us, right? I get that. I mean, he's delivered us from sin and, and death. I get that. I get that, that we can now call, call God Abba Father. I get that. 
I get that because now we can go to God Abba Father. We are not afraid. There is no fear, right? Anybody who teaches fear right now is teaching the old covenant, not the, not the new covenant. In the old covenant, God was very specific. I am going to come before Moses in this thunder and lightning in heavy smoke so that my fear shall be before them that they shall not sin. But in the new covenant, completely changed. He says, I will meet you face to face. I, will, I want to show you my love that the Father has for me. So totally different. No fear. In fact, disciples had no fear. <laughs> disciples had no fear. They, they respected Jesus, but they never feared him. You know, whenever you would fear him, Jesus would tell them, why, why do you fear? Do not be afraid. You know, Jesus never wanted. But when, whenever they wanted to worship him, he would never say, don't worship me. Very interesting. Because if Jesus is trying to be humble, he should say, don't, oh, don't, no, don't, don't worship me. Because it's the same attitude, right? Oh, don't fear me. Don't, no, 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 I will take worship. Because that is not, that is, that is positive. That is okay. But I will not take fear. But many times we associate worship with fear. Isn't it? Oh, we are not, we are not in awe of God. Oh, remove your sandals, brother. You are in holy presence. It's very interesting. In the old covenant, God told Moses, remove your sandals. In the new covenant, the father told the younger son, put on the sandals. Look at the difference. Right? Put on the sandals. Put on the sandals. Everywhere it is, put on your sandals. Shod with the sandals of the gospel of preparation. Put on your sandals. I mean, it's totally different covenant. Totally different covenant. So, so now we get it. That Jesus gives us this relationship with Father God which is not built on fear. Many times, you know, sometimes we preach and pastors and leaders and even I have preached it. Lord, you need to fear God. Love Him. Love Him. The whole covenant, you know. It doesn't matter, but the Holy Spirit will not bear fruit of it. You can preach it, people will get born again, but that is not, because people will get born again for whatever reason. Because of you call them the name of the Lord shall be saved, right? There is a, how many of you all have accepted Jesus because of the wrong motivation? You know, many of you, if you look at your own conversion, <laughs> seriously, I believe Jesus because of that, that right, and totally wrong teaching, but I accepted Jesus. Hey, who cares? Paul says, if somebody preaches the gospel for envy or not, I don't care as long as Jesus is preached, right? <laughs> People were getting saved under in other teachers during Paul's time because of envy. They were preaching more against Paul than about the gospel. But people were getting saved even because of that. But God doesn't care. As long as they're coming into the kingdom, I'll take it. But I'm saying is the fear of the Lord has to be now is not the fear of its or the awe of God, right? So we understand that. So we then we understand righteousness. We studied the whole passage last time about righteousness. Righteousness or righteous offering. We cannot come in our own works right now. There is out of the question. I mean, you need to get rid of this business of transaction. Okay, this I know. Sometimes we, when you do review of messages, we do the whole message again. <laughs> but, but I think it's good for us to remind a couple of things. Right? Look at Jesus made a statement when he was driving out people from the temple. And we studied that last time. It's again an aspect of offering. This, this whole business is of offering. And God is... Very particular about this business of offering. Why? Because right from the beginning, the whole battle between God and Satan was about a righteous offering. When Cain offered and Abel offered. It started from there. When Adam tried to offer and cover himself with fig leaves, when God was trying to cover him with 
with the blood sacrifice, right? It's all about offering. It starts from offering, it ends in revelation. It's all about offering. Man always wants to offer his own works. And, God, and, that, and he calls that in the Bible, it's called the way of Cain. Ah, who told that? You did that? Awesome. See, it's, you'll see that consistent throughout the scripture. It's called the way of Cain. What is the way of Cain? The way of Cain is coming to God in your righteousness. Remember that. See, he uses three, beautiful, I mean, you love this. He uses, God uses three errors of man. Number one is called the way of Cain. Number two, the, the error of Balaam. And third, the rebellion of Korah. Three things. It's very powerful. I mean, it, it underlines every religious system in the world. It and it, it distinguishes the right Christianity from false Christianity. It, it's, on, it's at the heart of every deception Satan has. It is the way of Cain. If he can't get you in the way of Cain, way of Cain is come in your righteousness. Islam is completely built on the way of Cain. It's about come in your righteousness. Don't come as a gift. There's no gift with God. Then is the error of Balaam. That means for profit. For profit. Manipulate things for profit. Error of Balaam. Thinking that holiness is something that can be purchased. The error of Balaam. And then the rebellion of Korah. Rebellion against God. Rebellion against God instituted authority. Three basic understanding. Okay. So the whole point is when Jesus in the temple, when he was driving out the uh, those who bought and sold, remember we studied that it was not just the ones who bought, not the ones who sold, but also the ones who bought. Because God didn't want that sacrificial system that he had instituted. That was under the law. He, he talked about it in the old covenant. But he made a statement and look at what he said. My house has become a house of merchandise. You have made my house a house of merchandise, but my house shall be called the house of prayer. Look at what he's contrasting. He says, you have made it a house of merchandise, but my house was called to be a house of prayer. Look at that. Merchandise, prayer. What is the difference? Huh? Correct, correct. Merchandise, we think that it's all about commercializing the temple. No, no, no. He's talking about reality. He's saying, when you come to God on a transactional basis, where I can buy something from you because of an exchange, that means I come with my righteousness and therefore I receive a blessing. You made it a house of merchandise. Right? It is fine. You could have done it, provided. You know what we talked about it? If an item costs $100 and if you come with $80, can you get the item? No. What about $90? No. What about $95? What about $98? What about $99? What about $99.99? Why? What if, what if you pay the cashier $99.99 and walk away with the item? Are you a thief? That's why he said, you are a thief. You are a, you are a thief because you are not I'm okay with a transactional model, provided the transaction is complete. That means you come in perfect righteousness, you keep all the law, you do everything. So the young man came to God and said, what must I do to get eternal life? He's coming with what model? He's coming with the transaction model, he's coming with Cain, the way of Cain. 
And God said, you know the commandments. So he's telling him, you know the commandments. You know the value of eternal life. You need to keep all the commandments. So then the guy says, look at his response. He says, all these. So he's saying, I have, I have kept the complete transaction. All these I have kept. Right? So Jesus says what? One thing you lack. See, actually he lacked more than one thing. Right? How many of you will agree that this guy lacked more than one thing? But why does Jesus point out only one thing? Huh? Is it, is it because that one thing was the most important of all the things that he kept? No. No. See, that's the whole thing. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what law you did not keep. All God wants to... See, when the prosecutor takes a trial and wants to convict somebody of felony, he doesn't care how many counts. He just has to prove you wrong on one count. And you are in. See, that's why the law is very clear. He who does not keep all. See, the all is the most important part of the law. The, the deception is 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10. That's a deception. But really, it doesn't matter. All. The, look at the curses in Deuteronomy. He who does not keep all the commandments. See, either you keep 1900 or you can't. See, that's the law. The enemy never tells you that. Satan never tells you that you have to keep all. He, he tells all, all religions are based on a transaction model where they say, if you can, your majority of your good works in your life are okay, you should expect to receive good things from God. As believers, you run into this rut, right? You get into this thing, you know, I have been good last week. I prayed last week. I fasted last week. You know, ah, you're getting in a transaction model, right? And he says, but God says, I don't want my house to be a house of merchandise, but I want it to be a house of prayer. What identifies prayer from transaction? Prayer is what? Asking. Prayer has nothing to do with what I... So when you're, if your prayers are like this, Lord, I did this, therefore that is... You may call it prayer, but it is no prayer. Prayer is ask. Ask. When you ask is when you don't deserve it. See, prayer is, is only possible in a covenant of grace. In a covenant where God loves you and gives you freely without your qualification. Ask. He says, come and ask. You changed it from a transaction. You changed it from an asking model to a transaction model. Do you get this? You see how important it is to Jesus that your, his house, which is which house? Our relationship with Father God. says cannot be based on a transaction model. The only reason why our prayers are not answered is because you are coming through the way of Cain. I'm telling you, it's so deep. If you ever get this. I mean, the reason, see, because... Because Romans says very clearly, Romans chapter 8, for he who did not give his only begotten son, will he not? It's like an... How can he not? Will he not freely? Freely. Look at the word free. That means there's no transaction involved. The word freely is very intentionally put there. Because when God told in the garden of Eden that you can eat... Ah, but he prefaced it all by word called... Freely. Go and read it. He said you shall freely eat of all the trees. Why? Why did he say freely? 
because it has nothing to do how good you felt that day morning when you walked up to the tree. There's no transaction involved. You know, but the good thing is somebody did transact on your behalf. And who was that? Jesus Christ. So it is not like we are cheating God by taking things that rightfully belong to him without a transaction. The good part is that transaction happened by Jesus. He became the obedience. He became the fullness. He became the sufficiency. That's why he says, casting down every imagination and high thinking that exalts itself against the knowledge of God to the obedience of Christ. It doesn't say to Christ. It says to the obedience of Christ. That means every time you have this thought in your mind, you know what? I think I'm messed up. You know what? I don't deserve this. What do you do with that thought? You should immediately cast it down to the obedience of Christ. So that means now you should say, you know what? I don't deserve it. But Jesus was perfect. Ah, oh, I was, I, 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 just, I just sinned right now. Oh, but Jesus was obedient. See, every thought that focuses on you and your lack, you bring it to the obedience, not to Christ, obedience of Christ. Because you can never bring a thought to the obedience of Christ because you're constantly rebellious. But if you say, guess what? But God, Jesus is obedient. He's perfect. He's lovely. He's Therefore, I should receive this as a gift freely. You suddenly receive it. You receive it. Got it? That was just a preface of a message that we are going to get into. So we are saying, why holiness? Why holiness? I understand righteousness, righteous sacrifice. Righteousness, we agree. We just covered righteousness, right? So we can serve God in righteousness. But why holiness? What does holiness mean? Holiness means separation. Sanctified. Cannot be defined. How does that happen when you are... When, you, when Jesus has come because of that. And that, my friends, brothers and sisters, is so, is one of the passages, one of the point, one of the rights and authority that you and I have that is not, I don't know whether it is preached enough, because there is so much power and unnecessary pain that you suffer because we don't understand holiness. And we misunderstand holiness. We think holiness is something that we have to do. Remember, it's all in the grant package that came, that Zechariah prophesied, that it will be granted to us that we will be holy. We are not going to be holy by ourselves. Now, what is holiness? What is holiness? Set apart. Are you 100% convinced that it is set apart? Right? Kodesh, holy, the holy of holies. The Bible says, uh, Kodesh, Kodeshim in the Hebrew means the holy of holies. See, I mean, the only thing that separated the holy of holies is that place. What was holy of the holies? You know the most holy place, which was the, you know the, you know the tabernacle, you know the tabernacle construction, right? And if you don't know, you need to know the tabernacle construction because it's a picture of our walk with Jesus and what Jesus accomplished for us, right? So there was the outer court and then there was the holy place. In the holy place, what was there? There was a showbread, then there was the, uh, the menorah, menorah. And then there was the altar of incense, right? Three things, right? So that's in the holy place. And then there was the veil, right? And then through the, on the veil was embroidered what? Cherubims, 
right what is that a picture of that is a picture of the tree of life where god positioned cherubims at the on all sides protecting from the the tree of life right why because if now anybody tries a sinful man tries to access the tree of life guess what he has to encounter what first he has to encounter the cherubim's flashing sword that turns every way why because he's he's unrighteous and he's he is sinful and he's trying to access eternal life and he cannot access it so he has to grow he will be killed so that is the curtain that's why the cherubims were embroidered on the curtain right on the veil but what is the veil we know in the new testament that that is the that's the body of jesus christ the veil is the flesh of jesus christ was the flesh pierced yes did he take the sword yes so that now we can go in right so when was the curtain when when was the veil torn with in jesus uh, suffering was complete right when he died was the torn torn why because when he died what happened the flesh was torn the that that cherubim that flashing sword in genesis chapter 1 or 2 the two finally rested it's like a guy who you know when you, when you go on minefield and i talked about it once before um in a nazi concentration camp uh, forgot the name of the place i forgot the name there was this they had this huge border of surrounding with fence and with mines all over so one day one guy some guys got together some guys some jewish guys you know the in from the camp they got together and made a run for the fence this run for the fence and the fence they crashed the fence but many people died then other people ran over the fence when they got they got they trampled over the guys who fell on the fence and put pulled down the fence and they jumped over them and went into the open field guess what happened in the open field there were mines and they start blowing up then people started dying but guess what happened when they started dying the mines had already exploded and then the rest of the guys could walk over the bodies of them and escape and people are still alive from that concentration camp that escaped but how did they escape because somebody else took the thing that's what jesus did his body allowed us to access this most holy place so the holy place from the most holy place was only separated by the veil of jesus christ the body of jesus christ and that became a sign he walked in and in the most holy place is the ark correct so the kodesh kodeshian is the most holy place that means nobody could access the most holy place except once a year by the high priest with the sprinkling of the bread first he has to sprinkle himself and then he has to sprinkle the uh, ark of the covenant so very clear only once a year in the uh, in the holy place the priest would minister with the altar of incense but once a year on the day of atonement is when the priest would walk into the holy of holy place so why so what was how what differentiated the most holy place from the holy place separation isn't it just that place. so holiness has everything got to do with separation i want you to get this i'll tell you why important it is i don't want you to think of holiness as being something that is just of your effort no it is a separation that has happened and so obviously some separation has happened that has been granted to us we have been separated we have been separated from all defilement of all filth and we cannot be touched 
we are not we cannot be touched we are defined we are separated by god as a gift we get it it's a gift it's not something that you can accomplish on yourself so so where is this whole picture of separation that is so important i want you to go to the book of and this is so powerful and i don't know whether we have the time to cover this but we'll break it up into two parts so that we don't you know uh, uh, take it too much but i'm saying let's go to the importance of separation how important separation is if you understand this separation brothers and sisters it will help you in all of your walk of your life here on earth why because let's go to john chapter this john chapter uh john chapter john chapter 17 john chapter 17 So John chapter 17 is one of the most powerful passages in the Bible about Jesus high our authority and our rights about this new covenant and our new situation in Christ Jesus. I want you to go to John chapter 17 and look at this. John chapter 17 verses 11 onwards. Uh, you can actually read from earlier but let's read from 11. Now Jesus is talking directly to Father God, right? And the disciples are hearing this prayer. Now, isn't that awesome that you can actually listen to a prayer that Jesus has with his Father God? How great is that? What an insider view of what's going on, right? So something powerful is happening out here, which has direct implication on our authority and our rights. That's why the Holy Spirit allowed us to eavesdrop on this prayer. Because there's not many prayers of Jesus. Many times it says Jesus went to the mountain and prayed. Jesus went to the mountain and prayed. Jesus went and prayed. Jesus went and prayed. A few times you understand what he's praying about. Very few times. Very few times. Very few times. But this is one very extensive prayer that you want to know. Now look at what he says. This prayer covers a lot of issues, but let's talk about that separation aspect of it. Very important. The holiness aspect of it. Let's see. Now, now, verse 11. Now I'm no longer in the world. but these are in the world and i come to you holy father keep everybody say the word keep 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 is a very preservative word in the greek it's not like keep means ah oh, just keep the guy no 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 when the jesus is saying keep means preserve it's a prayer preserve keep is not like you know okay can you keep the key you may lose it may not lose it no 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 keep means it's a military word it's a security word keep means it's a protective word so keep so why does he say keep because i am no longer in the world so what's going on here jesus is now getting separated to father god for the first time we are talking about separation going on right be very careful now let's look at this very carefully because you'll get some great truths and i'll tell you why it's important for us to know about separation for i am no longer in the world but these are in the world how do you, how many of you know that you are in the world we feel it we hear it we smell it all the reports and everything is in the world we have it because we are in the world right because we are in the world these are in the world i am no longer in the world but these are in the world so for the first time jesus is getting separated from his disciples first time first time he is separate till then they didn't care anything there was nobody could touch them nobody could touch the disciples i mean nobody 
they, they, could stone, they couldn't stone Jesus, they couldn't stone the disciples. Not one of his, there was no mention that any of the disciples ever fell sick. Correct? Even when the family members of the disciples fell sick, Jesus went and healed them. Not, there was no death around them. He was perfect because Jesus was always with them. So the, the benefits of the presence of Jesus is undeniable. Undeniable, right? Before Jesus went to the cross, the benefits of the presence of Jesus is undeniable. Even before Jesus went to the cross, how much more do you think it will be beneficial after he's glorified and resurrected? Right? So there has to be something more than what we have received than what the disciples enjoyed. Yes or no? Right? Right? We should have received. If they received the benefits of this presence of Jesus, we should receive much more right now. Isn't it? So, but Jesus has a problem. He says, I am going to the Father, but these, you, these are in the world. Therefore, Lord, Father, what does he say? Keep through your name those you have given me that they may be one as we are. Ah, for the first time he's talking about oneness. <coughs> oneness. What is he saying? Keep them through your name that they may be one as we are one. How one is Jesus with his father? How one are they? They are very one. <laughs> they are, the father, Jesus is in the bosom of his father, the Bible says. In fact, in Revelation, you have a picture where Jesus is in the midst of the throne. The lamb is in the midst of the father God. Everywhere he is in the midst. He is in the middle. In fact, there are verses where you can see Yahweh's secret code in so many Old Testament. You know, he's always in the midst. You know that Aleph Taf, that signature, that untranslated in the Hebrew? Is Aleph Taf is Alpha and Omega. Jesus. And it is untranslated in the Hebrew scriptures all the time. And guess what? You find Aleph Taf in the middle of so many big verses. In the, I think it's in the first verse also. You find Aleph Taf right in the middle. Jesus is in the center of the Godhead. He is so one with God, Father God. And he says, they will be as one with us. Like I am one with you. Wow. Have you even thought about it? That God doesn't want you to be separated from him at all. Now, I'm, you're getting, we are not, I'm not even told you the title of the topic. But you, you'll be so excited when you hear about it. Look at, look at this. While I was with them, where, where, while I was with them in the world, I kept them in your name. That is kept means what? Preserved. Preserved. That means nobody could touch him because they were kept in his name. Can you, three last, is his name so powerful? That it can keep me and preserve me? Yes. In the kingdom's principle, name is very powerful. The name can keep. And nobody can touch you because you are now named by, not by your name, but you are named by somebody higher. And nobody can touch you. Who is this somebody who would ultimately want to touch you? It's the kingdom of darkness and all its principalities. What It manifests as people. But really, it is principalities in the background that is trying to attack you. But remember, it is not they. It's not flesh and blood. It is principality. But now that you are named by him, they cannot touch you. Okay? Then you have obvious questions, then why, why am I going through this stuff? Okay? We'll, we'll cross that. Let's go to the next verse. While I was with them, in the name, I kept them in your name. These you have given me, I have kept. None of them is lost. Look at the effect of it. None. None are lost. 
except the son of perdition. That means he was not even a believer. He was not even born again. Judas was not born again. Judas never accepted Jesus as Lord. Every time Jesus, Judas refers to Jesus, he always referred to Jesus as Rabbi. While all the other disciples called him Lord. But G Judas never referred to Jesus as Lord. We knew right away. In fact, he said, all of you are clean, but not one. Everybody makes that distinction. But he allowed him to be part of his disciples. Discipleship is not the way to be blessed. See, now that is hard. Just because you follow Jesus is not what makes you a believer. It is receiving Jesus as Lord that makes you a believer. You may be a great disciple, a great follower of Jesus, but that doesn't make you a believer. It is receiving Jesus as Lord that makes you a believer. Judas was a disciple, but discipleship is not the key to lordship. No. There were a lot of disciples who left Jesus and went. They were never born again. They, they looked at Jesus as a good teacher who they wanted to mimic. Guess what? You cannot mimic Jesus at all. I mean, you'd, you'll, and many, many Christians try to do that. Uh, we, we walk around with bands with, which says, what would Jesus do? Seriously? You can never do what Jesus do. I mean, you're setting up, you're setting up for great failure. So anybody, Satan looks at that band, he likes motivation. Ah, see, now you're going to condemn this guy. Go, go, go on with that guy. Condemn him because he's just messed up and he condemn him saying that he just didn't do what Jesus did. See, the enemy wants. He wants to accuse you. Right? Right? But rather... Don't wear any bands and say the Lord, ah, Jesus is my Lord. Jesus is my Lord would be a better band, right? I messed up, but Jesus is my Lord. Right? I bless myself with the God of truth. Right? Nothing to do with me. I'm blessing myself with the God of truth. You got that picture? The thing? Okay, here we go. So now, but now I come to you. You're talking about separation. And these things I speak in the world that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them your word and the word has hated them because they are not of the world. Just as I am not of the world. I do not pray that you shall take them out of the world. Hey, there's an easy problem to solve all this problem of enemy attacking you. Correct? Just take them out of the world. Right? So Jesus answers that question for us right away. He says, I do not pray that you shall take them out of the world. So that Jesus has this... Does Jesus has this sense of, uh, what do you call it? He's being, he wants to make you suffer in this world? Is that his plan? What is his plan? He says, don't take them out of the world, but let them suffer. No, he suffered for us. We know that. Everywhere he suffered for us. Why would he want to keep us in the world? Look at what he says. I do not pray that you shall take them out of the world, but let me ask you a question. What does Jesus say? That you shall keep them holy. Did you read that? It is Jesus' desire that you will be kept from the evil one. Did you know that? Did you know that? That's Jesus' desire that you will be kept from the evil one. All along, we have always thought that being in the world comes with a package deal that you have to live with Satan. And suffer his pranks, and suffer his arrows, suffer his defeats, suffer his accusations, suffer his stuff. You know, do you, how many of you always assume that? Hey, you are in the world, you, you suffer from the enemy. But Jesus is very clear. You are in the world, but Jesus is saying to the Father God, keep them from the evil one. 
Okay. So let me ask you a very political question. Okay. Political in the sense you don't want to accuse God, right? So did Jesus, Father God, answer Jesus' prayer? What say about your own life? No, no, no. So be, don't be political, right? What do you think? Did Father God answer Jesus' prayer? Oh, I like that. Now let's un let's answer the tough part is in the next question, right? So how is it that you are suffering all this stuff from the enemy? Okay, just hold on to the thought. We'll try to answer that. Okay. What then? Uh, in the words that in which he said, in this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Because he's trying to say that you have trouble, but the troubles cannot overcome you because I have overcome it. So, but, so you cannot be overcome, is what Jesus is saying. What I'm saying is, how is it that we are suffering so much attack from the enemy, if Jesus is very clearly saying you are in the world, but Father God, keep them from the evil one. Because we know when Jesus was with the disciples, the disciples enjoyed the benefit of that presence to the extent that no evil ever came nigh them. Right? How much more when he is now going to the Father God, he is, so that is holiness. He's talking about, I'm going to give you this holiness as a gift. I'm going to keep you away from the evil one. And you all agreed that the Father God answered this prayer. Yes or no? Yes, yes or no, right? So then your question is, why am I suffering this? So obviously the problem is who? Us or Father God? So somebody is lying. Right? Either Father God is not keeping his part of the deal or, or something is missed. Or maybe I did not understand this separation correctly. Right? So something is wrong. I will take the bets that we are wrong. Right? Something about us, something is, something is, there is some missing gear out here which is not making sense. So it's very political, not, you won't hear too much preaching in this because it's very hard, right? You know, it's very, you don't want to accuse God as, you know, I'm not doing a good job of answering his son's prayer. Right? But let's, let's face on this full head and find out what's going on there. Because you'll find this gift of holiness is intrinsically linked to separation from evil. And God gives it to you as a gift. Not something that you need to strive for and work on and make sweat blood over and engage in warfare. Ah, now I got into something very sensitive. Should I not engage in warfare? No, you don't. Because Isaiah 40 starts by saying, Rejoice! O Zion, your warfare has ended. Oh, we'll talk about it. We'll talk about Isaiah. What I'm saying is, the keeping from evil is a gift. It's a gift. It's a gift. Now look at what he says. Now he says how we are kept from the evil one. Look at what he says. Verse 16. They are not of the world just as I am not of the world. Wow. He equates us. Oh, this is so good. Do you see that? He says we are as much not of the world as Jesus is not of this world. Hallelujah! I mean, do you get the revelation sitting on your head? Can you just marinate in the revelation? We are not of the world as much as Jesus is not of this world. Wow! That means we are supposed to be so holy, just like the Father, Jesus, the Son is as holy. That means, can Satan touch Jesus? 
can say to just Jesus? No. Has evil got anything to do with Jesus? No. Jesus says the ruler of the world is coming, but he has nothing in me. So if Jesus has nothing of the world in him, cannot touch him. Totally Teflon. (laughs) Cannot touch him. Totally clean. He has nothing to do with this world. Means nothing of this world touches him. But he was in the world? Yes or no? Was he in the world? Was he in the world? Did he interact with sinners? But did the world ever touch him? No. Touching means in the sense of defiling. Was he still separate? He was like pure gold. Gold you cannot even... That's why gold appears gold for centuries together. You you, you go to any archaeological uh, finds, you will find silver corrodes becomes black. Uh, Brass becomes green. Copper becomes green. You see the Statue of Liberty which is looking green. It's really corroded copper, right? Corroded copper or copper corroded... Yeah, it should be copper. Corroded copper, right? So it's, it's all corroded, but gold? Always. It doesn't interact because it's fully satisfied. Gold is fully satisfied. All the electrons, I'm going to chemistry, all the electrons are completely disordered. There is no free electrons, no, it doesn't have anything to give, doesn't want to receive anything. All fully satisfied. All the orbits of the electrons are complete. Fully satisfied. It doesn't need, it has no lack. Gold, seriously, at an electronic level has no lack. Chemical reactions happen because there is a lack. Anusha will tell you that, right? <laughs> There is a lack. There is free electrons. Either they have surplus electrons or they have less electrons and the state or so gold is complete. No need to therefore it's always shining. Doesn't need to corrode with anything. So Jesus was in the world, but not of the world. Nothing. But he says, We are just like that. We are not of this world. I mean, let's get this straight. Thomas, we are not of this world. We don't belong to this world. But we are in this world, but we don't belong to this world. This world has nothing in us. That means the world has no hooks in us to influence us. He cannot touch us, cannot condemn us, cannot criticize us, cannot judge us. Because we are just like Jesus. Do you understand your authority and power now? Right? Now let's read further. They are not of the world just as I am not of the world. He's talking about Jesus. Because only Father, see the woman, the Father God was never in the world. That's why Jesus can talk about only one Godhead can talk about that so confidently when the word became flesh. See? Jesus was in the world. But yet, I'm not of the world. Okay, look at this. The good part is coming here. Sanctify them. Ah, that's the word. Separate them. Sanctify them by your... So now we found out how we are separated. We are separated by... Separated by? By your truth. And then he explains what is your truth. Your word is truth. Keep reading. Keep reading. As you sent me into the world, so also I sent them into the world. So same, same, same command. So just as Father God sent Jesus into the world, we are now in the world. Prasad, you have been sent by Jesus. Sent into this world. You are now sent. We have a mandate. We are sent into this world. But we have the same authority. And for their sake. Oh, this is so good. This is so good. It says, for their sake, I sanctify myself. That they also may be sanctified by the truth. Now, I understand this is a little 
little uh, spiritual, it sounds a little hodgepodge, right? So let's understand sanctification as separation, right? He says, I separate myself for their benefit so that they may also be sanctified, be separated by the truth. So why is Jesus decided to go to be with Father God? He says, for your sake. Because when he separated himself there, guess what happened to you? You got separated far above all principality, power, and darkness, and sickness, and evil that's in this world. See, when he has been exalted high above, he was separated for our sake. We are separated by, as well. But how are we separated? By truth. What truth? What is the truth? No, 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 no. That is not the truth. We studied the truth. We studied the truth. The truth is what we studied last time. Oh, Jesus blesses ourselves with God and truth? Yes. We studied, right? He blesses us in Remember he said, in this world, very clear, my servant shall eat, but they shall go hungry. My servant shall drink, but they shall thirst. But this is how he who blesses himself in the world should bless himself. If you want to partake of this blessing, he should bless himself in the God of truth. So what is this truth? Jesus. Yes, God of truth. But what is this truth? What is this truth? Come on, I know you all get it. Yes, that he is our righteousness. That we are hidden in Him. It has nothing to do with us. That is the truth. See, the truth is not how messed up you are. The truth is not how evil you are. The truth is not your situation right now. The truth is that you are in Christ Jesus. The hope of glory. The mystery of the gospel is Christ in you. The hope of glory. That you are hidden in Christ. See, God he does not see you separate now in Christ, without Christ. You are hidden in them. So you cannot mess up, Rajesh. You cannot mess up. You are, that is the truth. When you realize that truth, guess what happens? What happens? You get separated. I don't use the word sanctified because it's so misused. Don't use the word holiness also. Because I think the English word portrays separation. You are separated. Separated when you understand the truth. What truth? That it is no longer you. Separate from Jesus. You are in Jesus. So guess what? So now, now the truth makes sense. When Jesus died, who died? We died. When Jesus was three days and three nights in the belly of the earth, who was three days and three nights in the belly of the earth? We were. When Jesus was rose again, who rose again? Re rose again. When Jesus is glorified and seated at the right hand, who is seated at the right hand? We are! You know, we, we just left the package. We waited till Jesus resurrected. We waited for the Holy Spirit to come, but refused to take the separation. And guess what's happening? We didn't take that part of the package of separation. So we are now still on the earth, suffering the effects of evil. God says, go all the way with my son to heaven and stay there. Now, you know what is that place called?
What is that place called? Huh? No. The place called there? No. Come on. What is this place? Where now we are separated and seated with God in the heavenly places forever. Let's see whether we get it by the Spirit. Yeah, we are at the right hand. But what is this place? Throne. Okay. We are, we are in Christ Jesus on the throne. Come on. What is this place? Come on. Yeah, that is there. Everything is there. Mount Zion! You got it, Sushil. You are smart, man. It's Mount Zion. See, see, the problem is we glossed over this whole Bible verse called Mount Zion. You read it in the Old Testament. You read it in the New Testament. And it doesn't make any sense to us. Because we think it's referring to Israel and Jerusalem. But it is not referring to Israel and Jerusalem. It is talking about your separation in Christ Jesus. Far about every principality and totally separate from evil. And you are in Mount Zion. And guess what happens in Mount Zion? You cannot be shaken. Because you are now not on this mountain in heaven, on earth. You are not on Mount Zion. And do you want to know what's going on in Mount Zion? Oh, Mount Zion is a secret that has been hidden by the enemy from all believers. Because he pushes the, effort, the benefits of Mount Zion into the thousand year reign of Christ. He pushes the effects, the blessings of Mount Zion into the new millennium. He pushes the benefits of Mount Zion into the new heaven and the new earth. He, that he hides it from you. That you, my brothers and sisters, are on Mount Zion now. Hallelujah. I can see the Holy Spirit so strong on this. It's a package that you have just left, left, didn't walk away with. You are now in Mount Zion. Now you want to hear verses, right? You know all of Old Testament talks about this Mount Zion? Mount Zion? In fact, he says the Jerusalem on, in Israel is called Sodom and Hagar. It's not Mount Zion. And we always thought Jerusalem on the earth is Mount Zion. No, it is this separation that Jesus is talking about. I separate myself for their sake and keep them from evil because, because on this holy mountain now the, the words for Mount Zion is so many and you can go through the scriptures and you can find it it's called Mount Zion it's called David's Tabernacle that is restored it is called my holy mountain it's called holy mountain it's called the mountain of holiness it is called Mount Zion it's called the high mountain it is called Oh, hallelujah. I mean, these are the names for the Zion. And it's called uh, Heavenly Jerusalem. It is called the mother of us all. It is called, so it is this place that we are now in Christ Jesus because we are not in this world, right? You're not in this world. You're separated. Now, guess what happens? Because you know this truth, guess what's happening? What's beautiful about this mountain is Oh, you can go back and see the benefits of the blessings of this mountain. Because on this mountain, no beast can touch you. The lion and the lamb will lie down together. Why? The enemy has no power over you. He cannot touch you. There's no arrow that flies on Mount Zion. Because there's no accusation because we are in Christ Jesus. He has met our righteousness. So the enemy cannot count. Now I want you to see the difference. So the title of the message is today, Which mountain are you on? And it will make all the difference between being affected by the evil in this world 
and not being affected by the evil in this world. Are you all ready to see that experience? Anyway, what, what, is, what, what great work do you have anyway, right, on Sun Saturday evening? Let's just study Mount Zion because I can tell you, you all what you need is in Mount Zion. But it has been, this, you, you have been deceived by the enemy thinking that it is something in the future. And I will show it to you from the scripture, Mount Zion is for you. It's for you. This holiness is a gift that God has given to you. Freely. I want you to go through it. Let's go to Hebrews chapter. Such a powerful chapter on Mount Zion. I want you to go to Hebrews chapter 12. And you have read Hebrews chapter 12. I want you to go to it. And I've got so much, so much, so much notes, so much scriptures, but I'm not going to cover it. We'll break it up into two passages because it's such a powerful topic that I don't think we'll do justice to it. I'll show you some real truths about, about a passage from Revelation that will blow your mind about the separation business. It's so powerful. I mean, I'm so incredible. I don't want to leave you for two months without having the benefit of it, right? I mean, just as well as enjoy this fruit. Just bring you to a banquet and just give you dessert is not good. Let's give you the whole way. Now, let's look at this. Hebrews chapter 12. Verse 12 on. Verse 12 on. Verse 12 onwards. I'm going to read that. Okay. I want all of you all to read that in your minds, though, right? But I want you to read, see the scripture. Just read it, okay? Now let's. I'm, we're going to go verse by verse because it's so critical to understanding your position on this mountain. Okay? Are you all ready? Okay. Verse 12 onwards. Therefore, strengthen the hands that hang down and the feeble knees. Remember the first command: strengthen your knees. Don't be afraid. Don't be. Don't be. Don't be. Don't be. Don't be afraid. Now. Good things are happening now for you. Make straight the paths for your feet, so that your, what is lame may be, not be dislocated, but rather be healed. He says, God's desire is that you will not be lame, but you will be healed. Pursue peace with all men, and holiness, separation, without which no one can see the Lord, right? See, only on this mountain can you see God. On the mountain that people are on, on the earth, you cannot see God. This mountain, you can see God. Let me prove it to you. Mount Sinai, they couldn't see God. They had to be stable. God, God was very clear on Mount Sinai. You should study Mount Sinai completely. Because that understands the whole covenant. He said, Moses, tell the people, don't break through. Lest they see me and die. And so Moses says, Moses says to God, God, you've already told us, have bounds on the mountain, don't touch it. Don't come near. And we already have bounds. But God says, no! Go down again! Get away from me! You know, this is so good. I mean, you should read that passage. God is like angry with Moses. Say, go back! Go, go, go! Get out, get out from our place. This is God. This is Moses, man. Moses is the guy that God called up. But you know, Moses, God cannot take what? He's defiled, man. He's remember we talk about righteousness as filthy garments. He he cannot. I mean he's so you know what God says to Moses? He says, Go down and tell them not to break through, they will die. Because God doesn't want unrighteous man to look at him. So it's serious business. Right? On that mountain you cannot see God without holiness, right? Without holiness. And then he, God says, Go down again and bring Aaron back with you. Why? 
That's how God started speaking to Moses on Mount Sinai. He said, go down and bring Aaron back with you. Why? Because God says, I need, no, 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 I need a high priest. Somebody will stand in the gap. I, could, I can't take you. I mean, I love you. You're the best since sliced bread. <laughs> Come on. But I, I want a high priest. I want somebody to stand in the gap. Bring Aaron. Because Aaron is a picture of even Moses needed an Aaron with a high priest and he came back up. He could see God. Right? He could see God. But separation. God takes this whole business of separation very seriously. And now in this mountain, he allows you to see you face to face. We look in the knowledge of the glory in the face of our Lord Jesus Christ. Face to face. When the woman tried to touch Jesus from the back and get healed and run away, what did Jesus do? Come on, Don! Baby, I want to see you face to face. Because he wants to see you face to face. He goes, this is the mountain of Zion. That's where I'm healed. You're healed completely. I want to see you face to face. You want to see me? And when God wanted to, uh, Moses wanted to see God, God said, ah, the, word, the best I can do is the backside. The best. And for that also, I need to hide you in a rock. And who is that rock? The truth. I, even then I can, even to see my back parts, you need to be hidden in the rock. Right? But I can show you. Wow. But he takes, that is so serious. So God's, and here Jesus is like, show him face to face. Lifting up lepers, touching blind people. Going to see him face to face. Because of this mountain, you can see Jesus got God face to face. Okay, let's keep reading. Looking carefully, lest anyone fall short of the Grace of God, not your grace. Don't bring your transactions here. See, whenever you hear the word grace in the Bible, means don't bring transactions. Don't try to justify yourself with God with your own works. Because when you do that, what's happened? See, next, next. Lest a root of bitterness springs forth. See, that's how it starts. Ah, oh, I see this in, mar in marriages. This is how it starts. First, you try to be good on your own works. And you try to know, I have decided 2016, I'll be very faithful to my wife. Ah, all of hell listens to that. Because now they know they can attack you. Because you just made a resolution, right? They won't attack you. You're going to be a good husband. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. Okay? Now you're not depending on God's grace for you. You should be saying, Lord, I don't care whether I mess up with my wife, but I know that you love me and you don't find fault with me. And therefore, I am forgiven freely. Guess what? When you start receiving forgiveness, you are willing to forgive easily. When you feel condemned, guess what happens? So what's the first step? First step, you fall from grace. First step, you try to make it with your own efforts. You have these demands about you. I'm going to fast so much. I'm going to pray so much. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. I'm going to be good. I have decided. I have decided. Ah! You're fallen from grace. You're trying to fall from grace. because You're not, you're not receiving it like a gift. Right? Look at it. And then guess what? What follows grace? Bitterness. Because guess what? When you mess up, when you mess up, you, you feel bitter. Right? Because your wife messes up, your husband messes up, you find no fault. Because you start becoming bitter. Because they have not been... Because how is that? I am doing all this good stuff for her, but she's, she's not doing anything. Ah, because now you are depending on your works to please her. And now you therefore expect her to also do her part. Right? You are starting to see how that bitterness starts coming in? Once bitterness starts coming in, what's the next step? 
bitterness caused trouble and by this many became defiled, lest there be a fornication. Then comes fornication. Then you get into affairs. Now you are not met. You are you're, you're bitter with your spouse and then you start getting into fornication. But where did it start? It started with good intentions that I will do something about it. You've fallen from grace and you try to do something about it. In every area of your life, I just give an example of marriage. It could be in your work. You know what, I'm going to do everything, right? You know, I'm going to be very careful about it. Nah, you're trying to? Ah. See, all of hell knows this game. The way of Cain, they know it. It's from centuries from centuries. And they know where it leads to. It leads to, in Cain's case, see how it started with Cain. He started off with fall from grace by trying to impress God with his own efforts. When he was not accepted, what happened? He became bitter. When he became bitter, what did he do? He murdered. Correct? See all this stuff. Same process. Follows. Check in every area of your life where you are unfruitful. It starts by falling from grace, then becomes bitter because you condemn yourself. Either you condemn yourself or you condemn others. And then you become manifestation of the sin which is a result of this. And you would think grace would promote licentiousness. Actually, grace promotes separation and goodness. Exactly the opposite. The more you trust Jesus in your work, in your, with, with his righteousness, he works it in us automatically. Okay, great. I, we are still not at the mountain. For who for one or profane person like Esau, who for one morsel of food sold his birthright. See, now food becomes a problem. He becomes a glutton. See, there's fornication, gluttony, envy. All these are fruits. The, not fruits, the works of flesh that comes as a result of falling from grace. Okay. And, and you know what? That afterward he wanted to inherit the blessing he was rejected for. He found no place for repentance though he sought it with much tears. Because he didn't want to turn. He sought the blessing with much tears. Uh, this is interesting. This looks as if God is being very unfair. No, no. Esau sought the blessing with a lot of tears. But he did not find a place to turn to the grace of God. So he was still stuck up in his fact that, hey, I got a bad deal. Look at my efforts. I did so much good and my brother is getting all the blessings. He didn't find a place to repent. Repent means to turn to the grace of God. He sought the blessing with great tears. So again, that's an implication. Just because you are very sorry about your situation in your life, doesn't mean that you are humble. Just because you are very anxious in your life doesn't mean you are very humble. Oh, I cried, sister, I cried so much last night. Means nothing. Seriously, I know. Let's do some surgery out here, right? <laughs> let's do surgery for everybody. Brother, I, 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 I cried all night and all night. Nothing. The question is, did you turn to the grace of God? Are you depending on your righteousness or are you depending on the righteousness of Jesus Christ? Brother, I have not even thought about the righteousness of Jesus Christ because I feel so condemned myself. That means you are so proud that you think what Jesus did is not enough for you. That you need to do something or you need to pay an extra price to make up for the sufferings of God. Is that pride or what? Is that pride or what? Is that pride? When, when you say that I have to suffer, for what I did mistake. No, no. You know, you know people, criminals who go through stuff, you know, you know, I deserve this. I need to die for this. 
and the judge says, no, no, but the government wants to free you. No, no, but I want to pay the price. There are people who do that. They walked away from pardons. Right? Why? Are you proud that you want to not pay the price? So, Romans chapter 10, go back and read. The word of faith does not say in your heart that I shall exalt myself and go up to heaven and bring it down or I shall not go down into hell. See, both are pride. I want to go to hell for my sins. Pride. I want to go up to heaven because of my righteousness. Pride. God doesn't see any distinction. He calls it pride. Self-righteousness is a pride. You can mask it in humility. You can mask it in tears. Like Esau, he sought the blessing with great tears. But no sign of repentance. What is repentance? Repentance is not crying. Repentance is trusting the righteousness of God more than your works. That is why when Judas cried and Peter cried, there was a difference. Judas cried thinking that he messed up with God and I need to die for myself. Peter cried because he messed up himself, but Jesus will die for me. Right? Cried. Both cried. You see the distinction of crying? One cried and wanted to pay the price himself. One cried and allowed Jesus to pay the price. Hallelujah. That itself is worth praising Bible study. That's it. That's it. If you are willing to let Jesus pay the price. Let Jesus pay the price. Let Jesus pay the price. Let Jesus give it to you free. Oh, I was telling my friend, I was counseling him, and I was telling him about this, you know, sickness that he's going through. And I was telling him, I shared with this in the, during a sharing time. I said, let him do it, man. Why are you taking it? Why, why do you want to pay the price? Let him pay the price. By his stripes we are healed. By his stripes, by his righteousness we are righteous. Hallelujah. Isn't that pride? No, 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 no. I need to do something about it. What do you want to do about it? Oh, I have so many verses. I've got so many verses right now. He who warms himself by his own flame shall lie down in torment. It's written in Isaiah. Do you, do you, have you ever read this verse? It's in Isaiah. He who warms himself by his own flame shall lie down in torment. And that is why the Holy Spirit in every gospel which talks about Peter denying Jesus mentions about he warming himself around the fire. I'm like, why would the Holy Spirit put this fact, all the gospel, he warmed it beside a fire. He warmed beside a fire. There was a fire burning and he warmed himself. That's the word it says. He warmed himself. Because Isaiah prophesied, anyone who tries to warm himself by his own fire shall lie down in torment. The moment he warmed himself by his own fire, the next event is what? He denied Jesus. He was in torment for how many days until Jesus rose again from the dead. Isn't it? Right? When you depend on your own fire and your righteousness to warm yourself, you will ultimately go down in torment. Uh, it's an Isaiah. Uh, I'll give it to you. Google. <laughs>
but it's there. I'll give it to you. I have the verse. It's in the Bible study today. Right? So, okay. We are still not on the mountain. Then, for he sought it diligently with tears. Verse 18. Now get ready for the mountain. For you. And he's talking to believers. For you have not come to the mountain that may be touched and that burnt with fire to blackness, to darkness and tempest. He says, you have not come to this mountain. Hey, this mountain is not Mount Sinai. You have not come to a mountain which is burning with fire, with judgment and darkness and tempest. You have not come to this mountain. The sound of trumpets and the voice and the word so that those who heard it begged that the word, that the word should not be spoken to them anymore. For who? They could not endure what was commanded because God was commanding them commandments Judgments and statutes say, do this, honor me, love me, you shall not lie, you shall not commit adultery. And they are like, after the third, fourth, they are like, Lord. Because remember, they started off by saying, God gave them the option. I brought you as eagle's wings, I brought you as a gift, I remember the covenant with your father Abraham, and I'm going to bless you and I'm taking you to the promised land. Deal? No deal. They said, no deal. We will do whatever you say we can do. They're like, okay, you can do whatever I can say. Okay, here is the big tent. Let's start with the big tent. Can you do it? No. And then they couldn't take this voice. Because now, what are these? God on Mount Sinai was not condemning them, was it? No, he was just giving them the law. But what was happening to them? They were getting condemned. Why? Because the law, the only job of the law is to condemn With our children. If you want to raise up your children, it's a principle. Don't just give them laws, laws, laws. Because it condemns them. Love them. Love them into stuff. Love them. Correct them, but don't just keep, don't just feed them on laws. Because then they will become bitter. Then they'll become bitter, then they'll fall from grace. Right? They fall from grace, they fall become, then they become very promiscuous. So you say, don't give them just some laws, just love them. Just like God loved you in Christ Jesus. Love them. Love your spouse. Love your husband. Love in your, in your book. Follow that principle. So that this, this don't follow Mount Sinai principles in your new covenant. Okay. It says, it was so terrifying, it was a sight that Moses said, now this is not the people. Moses said, I am exceedingly afraid and trembling. But, okay, here is the good part. Verse 22. Let me tell you. Have we come or are we going to go to Mount Zion? Verse 22. It says, but you have come to Mount Zion. Say come. So have you arrived? Have you arrived? Prasad, have you arrived? Jotsna, are you arrived? Are you in Mount Zion? Are you absolutely sure you have arrived? You have come to Mount Zion. Correct? You come, remember the Israel, God brought them out of Egypt to bring them to Mount Zion, but they could not enter it. Correct? They couldn't enter it because now the law was condemning them. They couldn't enter it. But we, because of Jesus, we have entered and say, I have entered and I am there. You are there right now. So you have come to Mount Zion and look at the description of Mount Zion. You have come to Mount Zion to the city of the living God. Where, who is here? The living God is here. The living God is here, man. Okay. And then, to heavenly Jerusalem. See the other name for Mount Zion? 
other name for Mount Zion? Heavenly Jerusalem. To the innumerable company, innumerable company of angels, innumerable company, how many angels? Innumerable, innumerable company. Cannot be counted. Cannot be counted. Innumerable angels, then what? To the general assembly, the church of the firstborn. It's called the church of the firstborn. So the whole church, who is the firstborn? Jesus. We are his church. The church is there. What else? Who are registered in? So what is registered in heaven? We are registered. Our names are registered. I'm telling you, registration is integral part of Mount Zion. That is why the Bible says, Jesus said, Rejoice for your names are registered in, written in heaven. Say written. written. See, it is not available for anybody. Nobody else can get into Mount Zion except the people whose names are written. Your names are written. It's registered. Say registered. registered. There's a registration psalm. Do you want to read the registration psalm? Okay, go to uh, Psalms chapter 87. That's called the birth certificate psalm. Psalms 87. Psalms 87. I, I, never found, I never knew about this psalm until today. This is called a birth certificate psalm. This is your birth certificate. If anybody wants to show your birth certificate, this is your birth certificate. This is your citizenship certificate. Psalms 87. Okay, I want you to read through this carefully. No, because this is your registration document. This is what it says. His foundation is in the holy mountain. Say the same word, holy mountain. Right? He loves the gates of Zion. More than all the dwellings of Jacob. That means nothing in Israel is as beautiful as Zion in heaven. Correct? Glorious things are spoken of you, O city of God. It's also called city of God. Just look at the names of Mount Zion. I will make mention of Rahab and Babylon to those who know me. Behold, O Philistia and Tyre with Ethiopia. He is now talking to the kingdom of darkness. He says, don't touch them. Don't touch them. Why? This one was born there. Ah, you're talking about separation? You're talking about separation from evil? See, <laughs> are you excited? See how consistent the Bible is. He says, when you're registered on Mount Zion, Tyre is type of Satan, kingdom. Cannot touch you. Babylon cannot touch you. Philistia cannot touch you. No enemy. These are enemies of Israel. Says, aha! Kingdom of darkness. And his name is registered. Birth certificate. In Zion, cannot touch him. So this darkness, this kingdom of darkness, this is real. Thomas, this is real. This kingdom operates like this. These powers of this in this world, they cannot just randomly go and touch anybody. They have to check whether your names are written in heaven. Oh, do you, do you know what I have just said? It is so powerful. That is why when the disciples came to Jesus and they rejoiced and they said, even the demons, oh. Did you get that? When they said, even the demons are subject to you, what did Jesus say to them? 
What did he say? Rejoice! Rejoice! Don't rejoice because the demons are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are written! Oh, I'm screaming, I'm telling you. Why? Because Jesus understood the significance of the disciples' names being written in Mount Zion. Because once the names are written in Mount Zion, demons cannot touch you. So it doesn't matter whether they are subject to you or not, they cannot touch you. So it has nothing to do with you. No, nothing to do with that. So the disciples are going thinking that we are waging aggressive warfare in the towns and cities of Israel. Look what all we did. This down spirit just came out and this paralytic spirit just came out and this sickness came out and this happened and that happened and they have this huge ah, I am powerful. Jesus says, what? They can't touch you because your names are written in heaven. Oh, is that? Oh, okay. <laughs> you know, you see how powerful is that fact that you're registered. As simple as a registration document separates you. I mean, do you get this business of holiness seriously? Do you see this registration document in Psalms 87? This one is bonded. This is so good. I mean, this is so deep. The enemy just, how is it that we did not see Mount Zion in the Bible? Why? Because it's intentionally hidden. Because the enemy, prince, the powers of darkness know this truth that you are now on Mount Zion, cannot be touched. Your names are registered there. He doesn't want you to know that. So he brings an illusion of evil in your life and tries to take you to participate in it. And he makes you think that the warfare continues. You know what I'm He has taken the time clock and hidden it. The game is over 2000 years back. Completely won, completely destroyed. The game is 1000 versus 0. Completely blown away. But the time clock is taken and he makes you feel that you are still on a different mountain. You are on Mount Sinai and you are subject to the game that goes on. You need to wake up and smell the coffee. Or smell Mount Zion and say that, you know what? I'm not taking this anymore. I'm registered, man. What do you mean? This is my birth certificate. Psalms 87. How can you come against me? I'm registered in heaven. He, see, the Satan is an adversary. He's a prosecutor at law. He doesn't bypass law. He understands birth certificate. He understands. He cannot bring sickness on you. I will tell you the benefits of Mount Zion. If you, see, if you stay with me on the study, it will blow your mind in terms of your right and your authority. Psalm 87. Keep reading. This one was born there. And of Zion it will be said, this one and that one was born in her. So he calls Mount Zion her. Another clue. It's a woman. It's a woman. Right? It's a bride. It's a bride, it's a woman, it's a mother. It's, oh, this is so powerful. You have never understood Mount Zion. I'll, let, me, let me just walk with you a little bit. I don't have time, but we'll go. And of Zion, it will be said, this one and that one was born in her, as if she's a mom. She's given birth to her children, correct? It's a mom. It's like born in her, okay? Listen to her. And the most high, what? Sir. Ah, the most high... 
No, 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 no. The Most High Himself. I want you to look at this word Himself. Why? Who is establishing you? The Lord God Himself. Not your efforts to holiness. Who establishes? The Lord God Himself. Anytime the word himself is associated with God, it talks about grace in the Bible. Where he himself offers his son. God himself shall provide a lamb. He himself loved us. He himself. That means he wants no human part in it. That's why Daniel saw the vision. He said, a stone cut out without hands. And it became a big? Come on. No. No. The stone that was cut out without hands smote the idol at its base, the kingdoms of the earth. And the stone cut out without hands filled the whole earth and became a big? Mountain. Not stumbling stone. (laughs) He's not a stumbling stone. He became a great mountain. Which mountain is that? Come on. You see, he's all linked to Mount Zion. See, he's getting, he wants you all to be in Mount Zion. That mountain is Mount Zion. It was cut out without hands. Who established it? God himself. He has no part of you. You didn't build that Mount Zion. You didn't build anything to it. In fact, Jesus is the cornerstone and God just made us living stones on that Mount Zion. So we are also called living stones on a cornerstone on Mount Zion. Oh, you're excited? Okay, excited. Let's look at it further. The Lord Most High Himself shall establish who? Her. Because who is her? Mount Zion. Who is in Mount Zion? We are. Okay? So that means we are established forever on Mount Zion. Correct? Established forever. Right? Who else is on Mount Zion? Come on, come on, come on, come on, fast. We just heard it in. Huh? Innumerable company of angels. God himself. The, Jesus himself. Correct? Everybody is here. The church of the first world is in Mount Zion. Correct? We are on Mount Zion. Okay, then six. Again, verse six. Is it important to God to tell you that you are recorded? Yes. Yes. The Lord will record. record. And then look at it. When he registers the nations that this one was born there. What? Why is he repeating so much? Man, because it's a birth certificate. This one was born of woman. So, do you have the mother here? Is this the birth certificate? Is the mother there? Is there a mother there? Yes. Do you see the father there? Yes. So, is there a birth certificate with mother, father? Yes. Is the location there? Yes. Is this the birth certificate? It says. And the doctor's there, right? No. Okay. <laughs> this is a doctor. But is there witnesses there? Where is the witness? No, 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 no. In this chapter. No, the witnesses are there. The Philistia, Babylon, Tyre. The witnesses are there. So the witnesses are there. The father is there. The mother is there. The place is there. Hey, this is total legend. Even somebody did not have a proper certificate in our country. <laughs> but we, they showed the certificate, so ultimately they, there was so much discussion about birth certificates, right? Birth certificates are very important for rights, right? Right? 
Very important. Certificates are very important. Registered. This one was bonded. Both the singers and the players on the instrument says, all my springs are in you. I don't understand that. We'll talk about it later. <laughs> I've not studied that part. But so what you're saying is God registered. Let's go back to Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12. Okay. Are you all excited about the study? Oh, yeah. Okay. Hebrews chapter 12. Okay, what is there? Okay. And then he says, to, to, the, uh, to the judge, to registered in heaven. So we are still at the registered in heaven. So Mount Zion involves registration. You will see this. You will see it in everywhere. This is so funny. You remember last time we studied the book of Malachi? The book of Malachi? In the book of Malachi, there's a registration. Do you want to see that quickly? Just a quick thing, because you will see this pattern throughout the Bible. Let's go and look at the book of Malachi. Look of Malachi, uh, verse chapter 3. Look of Malachi, chapter 3. Okay. He's talking about the people who are, who are, who are saved by grace. Verse 13, verse 15. But now we call the proud blessed and those who do wickedness are raised up and they even tempt God and go free. He's talking about us believers who are saved by grace. He said these guys are sinners but they are free. Their sins are forgiven and they are blessed. How is that fair? The righteous, the self-righteous ask God. What does God do? What does God do? Verse 16. Then those who feared the Lord spoke to one another. He's talking about the believers. And the Lord listened and heard them and A book of remembrance was written. See, grace gets you into the uh, Mount Zion and the registration is written. The moment you say, I trust in Jesus and not on my own works, whether you sinned or not, you are now registered forever in heaven. Those who fear the name and those who meditate on his name. What name is this? Which name? Jesus. Jesus. And then what does God say about those people? They shall be mine. On that day I will make them my jewels. Do you want to now see separation going on? Read the next verse. Oh, wow. You are hardly registered that you become spared. Spared from what? Evil. I, I will spare them. That means father will never want evil on his son, correct? He will spare them. He will separate them. Who serves him. And then you will discern the difference between the righteous and the wicked. See how God says, oh, this, we, this is so beautiful. This is so beautiful. This is so revelation in every verse, right? He says, we, we, we say, uh, this is how God says, uh, proves to the world the difference between the righteous and the wicked. The way he proves the difference between the righteous and the wicked is not by what they did. But, but, no. See, this is what, I need you, I want you to get this. Look at this. Go, go back and meditate on that one. Everybody read that He says, this is how you will discern the difference between the righteous and the wicked. Who is being spared? It has nothing to do with what you did. See, what does, what does, do you get this? Do you get this? Does it make sense? So it says, it doesn't, if, if, I, if I ask an ordinary believer or an ordinary Christian, hey, what's your criteria between a wicked and a righteous guy? 
What's the answer? Huh? Work. 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 You are a little more spiritual. <laughs> you would say, does he believe in Jesus? Okay, but both say that they believe in Jesus. I don't know what happens. But how, how do I know? How do I distinguish between the wicked and the righteous? The definition. How do I wicked? So the most majority, I would say 99% will say, this guy does righteous works. This guy does wicked works. Amen? Right? Let's look at Jesus, God's definition of how he discerns, how the world should discern the difference between the wicked and the righteous. How, do you, how should the world discern the difference? How does God discern the difference? What is the difference? Huh? No. That's not how the world knows. See, registration is a birth certificate hidden in some corner in some office. You, are you going to keep showing your registration everywhere? How many... Do you even take out your registration documents for birth certificate? When do you ever take it? It must be laminated and must have not touched for like hundreds of years, possibly. Right? I mean, when you got your passport, is the only time you use your birth certificate, right? And when you renew, you need a birth certificate again? But you're born again because of that? <laughs> no, you don't. I mean, yeah, yeah very rarely, right? So, but then how does the world know whether you are wicked or righteous? Your registration is not going to help you. Ah, tell me, tell me, come on, you'll know the answer. One who's spared. Why? Because that everybody can see. Interesting. Interesting. So the world ought to see that we are being spared from the things that come upon others but don't come upon us. Amen? They should see it, isn't it? Not our fruits. No, no, no. Ah, then you would see how slippery it is. <laughs> because I know when the moment you say fruits, oh, but uh, Rajesh, he doesn't have love, joy, peace, long suffering. No, 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 no. In spite of not having love, joy, you're angry, selfish, Rajesh. But yet you're like blessed. What's going on with your life? <laughs> yes, yes, God says yes. You, I mean, see how how powerful this truth is of registration. They were spared in Egypt just because they applied some blood, and the guys were idolaters and fornicators to the core. They rose up to play. I mean, we don't even rise up to play. <laughs> Rose up to play, make golden calves. What? They just changed over rank? No! They were messed up just like the Egyptians were. Had multitude of idols. But they were the church of the firstborn because they applied the lamb. And because of that, they were registered. And because of the registration, when the enemy came, he checked and he was about to go in. And he, the enemy hears a voice This one is registered! Do you see the difference? See how powerful grace is. How powerful grace is. That registration, that means you're registered. You have not come to a mountain. That's how it is. See, this picture of registration is throughout identified with the Mount, Mount Zion. You will not find it on Mount Zion. You now go and study. Are you going to be excited to study Mount Zion? 
Because that mount sign is you. On this mount sign, the enemy cannot touch you. That is why the Bible says, on this mountain they shall lie down safe. You, you read this over and over again. They shall not be afraid. They shall lie down safely. They shall not be afraid. They shall lie down safely. Why? Because Jesus has put us on Mount Zion. Enemy cannot touch us, Jotsna. Cannot touch us. He cannot. So I'm saying, let's receive it. Let's receive it. Everyone, I want all of you all to receive. In every year of your life, this untouchability from the enemy. Okay? You say, but oh, but I suffered all this. I suffered all this. Who cares? Move on. Are you on Mount Zion right now? Amen? Are you on Mount Zion right now? I'm separated, right? sanctified them by what? By the truth. By the knowledge of the truth. By you believing the truth. If you do not believe the truth, you will hang around in a different country or a different mountain and partake of their sufferings. And whose problem is that? See, because you have a choice to go on Mount Sinai. But God is saying, Paul is saying, you have not come to Mount Sinai, you have come to Mount Zion. Is that a package that you want to leave and go? Is that holiness a package? Is that, ah, holy, 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 everybody's holy, I don't care for holy. You know why it's so important? Because it keeps you from evil. You are on Mount Sinai, you need to know on Mount Sinai. This is just evil. There is so much power on it. Okay, let's go to... So I just showed you one example of registration. You go back and check, the registration is there in so many places. It's written. Note, written, 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 that's the worst. Okay, let's go to Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12. I'm sorry for staying on Hebrews chapter 12 because so much verses but I don't have time to go on. But let's finish Hebrews chapter 12 because it gives you an understanding of the mountains. This, this mountain study is integral to your walk of victory on the earth. doesn't matter after you die. This mountain teaching is only beneficial for you here. Because when you are dead and gone, whether you like it or not, you are on the mountain. You live in it, you cannot get out of it. You are done with it. You are on there. The Father is there. The angels are there. You will see them. There is no way you are getting out there. People who have died and come back to life all talk about this mountain. And the, descrip uh, the, exp uh, the descriptions of their vision is very, very comparable. It's what people call heaven. What they are describing to you is Mount Zion. But you are already there, right? You already died. Remember, Jesus died, you died. When Jesus rose again, you rose again. And he's seated. Only what's in this world is your body. Only your body is not on Mount Zion. But God is going to come with a new body. But in the meantime, the enemy cannot put stuff on your body. Because you are registered in Mount Zion. Okay? That's why Paul says, our citizenship is not from here. Right? He uses that word, very clear, very clear word, right? Our citizenship is not from here. Very clearly. That word is very clearly used. So we, have, on in, we do not see, here we don't have, here we don't have any continuing city. But we seek a one that will come. Because in this world, we are not, we don't have a continuing city. But Mount Zion is a continuing city. Never ends. Never be changed. So we don't have a continuing city here. But we are of a continuing city that we go. Okay? Okay, let's go back to uh, Hebrews chapter 12. He said the 
Yes. No, I, I, I lift up to my... No, when the word Bible talks in the Old Testament, mountains, it doesn't refer to Mount, Mount Zion. When the word mountain, holy mountain, high mountain, Mount Zion, Jerusalem, city of Zion, heavenly, that refers to Mount Zion. But whenever the word mountains is, it means mountains here on the world. Okay, this is powerful. I didn't want to go there, but let's go. The harlot in Revelation sits on seven mountains. Yeah, seven mountains, correct? This is seven. The, the plurality of mountains in this world belong to this world. The problem is believers are hanging on on mountains here. Because the Bible is very clear. It will come up in this passage. It's very clear. And the reason I'm so led by the Spirit to talk about these mountains is because I see believers suffering things that they ought not to be suffering. They are being shaken by things that they ought not to be shaken. The only reason is because they are on a different mountain. Because the mountains in this world will be shaken. In Revelation it's very clear, every mountain will be made low. Every mountain is going to, the Bible is very clear in Revelation, every island and every mountain is going to be moved out. So let me ask you a question. If Mount Zion is in Jerusalem, and Revelation says every mountain and island on earth will be moved out, shouldn't Mount Zion be moved also? Yes? Correct? Makes sense? Because Revelation is very clear. Every mountain and every island, when Jesus comes on that great day, will be moved. Correct? Every mountain will be moved. He's not just talking about physical mountains, but he's talking about every institution, every economy, the health, uh, the environment, the climate, every mountain is going to be moved. Because remember, Satan sits on every mountain. That's why he could bring a stop, because he rules the mount of weather. He is a prince of this world. He was, right? I mean, he was cast down, but he's on the earth. Remember, he was cast down from a high mountain. Ah, there's so much thought. You know when Jesus, when Satan wanted to tempt Jesus, he took him up on a high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world. Why? Because he had access to that mountain. But guess what happened? On crucifixion, the Bible says he was cast out of that mountain. That access point is gone. Till then, that is why Job could be, that is why Job could be, remember when Satan said, uh, Satan appeared before uh, God and says, where have you come from? He said, from going to and forth from the ends of the world. Where is he appearing on? He's appearing on this mountain in heaven because he had access. Why did he have access there? Because that access was given by man. Correct? And he had access, he was an accuser, so he had access to God's presence. Because a lawyer, a prosecutor can always come in the presence of the judge if he has a valid case. But if he does not have a valid case, he cannot appear. There has to be a cause for the, the court has to, there should be a cause. Of, uh, there should be an accuser and there should be an accused. And there should be a reasonable basis for, for prosecution. 
like a grand jury. It has to be adjourned. There has to be a reasonable case. Then he can appear. He had authority to appear because there is an accused. And he was messed up. So he could go to and go, and he went back and forth in the world. What is he searching for back and forth in the world? Huh? Accused. So guess what? He could only be removed if either of one thing happened. Either the man becomes perfect, right? Or somebody goes ahead and takes the punishment. What happened? Okay, so that's a trick question. So what happened? Which one happened? Either the man became perfect, or somebody had to take the punishment. Huh? So you know what? Both happened. But the first thing happened first. The punishment happened first. And then... <laughs> so this is fun. This is so fun, right? So Satan could have this problem, right? So this is, this is all judicial. This whole Bible is a judicial problem. It's a judicial problem that God is trying to solve, right? Of justice and love. Of mercy. Justice. He is just, but he is also loving. So if I have a son standing in the court, what do you do? Should I forgive my son? But if I forgive him, then how am I God a just judge? I cannot do that. I have to judge my son. But I love my son. If I judge my son, my son will think that I am evil. And that's how man has been thinking about God for a long time. But my son doesn't know that I love him. What do I do? Hey, I have an idea. I have an eldest son, a firstborn. I will ask him to come and take this guy's place. Oh, guess what? Let me punish you. Okay. So this is good. So Satan has this field day. He's like, okay, no problem. Jesus has paid the price. So now does he have access into God's presence? He doesn't have anybody to accuse because the punishment has been paid. Correct? But can he come back into the presence of God? Yes. How? In what situation can he come back into the presence of God? Ah, this is this is powerful. This truth is powerful. I think it's led by the Spirit. Somebody takes accusation. Yeah, hold it. So somebody just paid the punishment. But can this guy come back into the court of the judge again? No, that is okay. But I'm talking for the same guy, for the same guy, for the church. Can he come back into the presence? Can he come back? No. He can. If this guy sins again. Correct? Yeah, but this guy sins again. Because it's a new sin. It's an open door. He can come again. So God has to take care of that problem. Right? It's not just enough that God makes us just like Adam with clean slate. He also has to make a provision in case you sin again. For that, what did he do? He made man righteous because of the obedience of Jesus Christ. See, the righteousness along with separation from sin goes hand in hand. So it's not like, you know, oh, we all my past sins are taken care of. Thank you, Jesus. But guess what? What about my today's sin? What about, so I'm accused again. And a lot of believers live in this situation thinking all my past is forgiven, but my today's mistakes are, I need to be covered. And I feel condemned. 
So who comes with this condemnation? Satan. Why does he come with this condemnation? Right. So this is what is happening. No. Correct. So this is what is going on. This is really this is really what's going on. So right now Satan has no access into God's presence to accuse you. Correct? Why? Because he not only paid for your punishment, but also has made you perfect forever. Do you believe that he's made you perfect forever? Yes. Or you don't believe that? You won't go back and read Hebrews very clearly. He said we are perfect of for perfected forever. Spirits of just men made perfect. We are blameless and without fault before the throne. Our righteousness is not from us, it is from Him. Oh, I can go all night today talking about how perfect we are, right? That's why He said, He who is least in the kingdom of God is greater than John the Baptist, who is the greatest righteous man of ever, lived by His own works. But He who is in the kingdom of God is greater than Him. So he's talking about perfect. So we are now perfect forever. And my punishment is being taken. Now Satan has no access into this presence of God. But yet, how is it that he brings evil against you? Though he does not have access in heaven, he comes to you to condemn you in the earth. And you voluntarily take the punishment by choice. Think about it. Because Jesus has already... So you have to say, no, you're not coming. Because now you're not being accused before the Father. Remember? He has been cast down from heaven. How many of you know that he has been cast down from heaven? Right? Because when Jesus in John chapter 12, you won't read that passage. It's very powerful. John chapter 12 says, now is the ruler of the world cast down. Now is the judgment. If I be lifted up, I will draw all to myself. That means I will draw all judgment to myself. So I have taken all judgment to myself. So now Satan has no access to condemn you. That is why he was cast down. See, his, he was cast down because he has no not leverage. The word is called jurisdiction against you for the first time. Uh, Colour, yeah, what does it say? Yes. Correct. So what this exact? That is the verse that we, we were going to cover it. Colossians chapter two. It says he has taken the handwriting of the requirements that was against us and nailed it to the cross. And then the next verse is very powerful. Can you read that? Oh, see how the principalities got disarmed? How did the principalities get disarmed? They didn't get disarmed by Jesus knocking out his teeth and uh, removing his sword from his hand and destroying his power. No, 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 no. How did God destroy and disarm the principalities? That means disarm the principalities means he removed his weapons that he had to attack, correct? And what were the weapons that the principalities had? The handwriting of the requirements that was against you. You got that? When God, Jesus took the handwriting of the requirements, not what the sins. He's not taking the, he's not taking the sins. Sins he already paid your punishment, correct? 
So now, before it was like, you can only drive 20. No, now you can drive 40. Now you can drive 50. Now he says, guess what? Just drive. Just drive at whatever speed limit you want. Just enjoy life. And I will guide you. Go slow here. Go slow there. No law. No law. Because on Mount Zion, the Bible says in Isaiah, and I, I don't have time. We'll talk about it. It's very clear. Mount Zion, he says, this is the word that will come near you. It will be, tell you, turn to the left, turn to the right. Turn to the left, turn to the right. He's talking about Mount Zion again. On Mount Zion, there is no law. The law that goes forth from Mount Zion, Isaiah says, is the law of faith. Got it? So he's removed the handwriting of the requirements that was against us and nailed it to the cross. On the cross, Jesus became our full obedience and made us righteous forever. So now he has no access, no jurisdiction. Every time a judge picks up a case, the first law case, first uh, first decision that the court has to make has is this. Is it within the court's jurisdiction for me to rule on? That's the first thing that the court has to, both the sides have to establish that this judge, before whom I am going, has the jurisdiction to hear my case. You cannot go with your case to India or to England and fight it. It has to, it has to have the right jurisdiction. God solved that problem forever. So guess what? Because Satan has no access to God right now to accuse you, guess what? We are separated from him. Because now we are in this place with God where he now cannot access. So what happened to Job cannot happen to you anymore. Because Job did not have an intercessor. You have. He stands at the right hand of God and we are with him. Is fully obedient. Got it? Okay, let's go to Hebrews chapter 12 and let's conclude. Okay. Okay, so now why do troubles come now still? So now if God, Satan has no authority in heaven to accuse us before the Father. Right? Right? Do you believe that Satan has no accuser? He cannot accuse you guys. He's over. He could accuse you before. How do we know this? Ah, let's go to Re Revelation. I want you to be settled in your spirit about Revelation chapter. This. Revelation chapter 12. Let's see, Revelation chapter 12. Verse, verse, Revelation chapter 12, verse 7, 8, and 9. And war broke up out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought with the dragon. And the dragon and his angels fought. Correct? Right? And they did not prevail. Nor was a place found for them in heaven any longer. Satan and his angels have no place in heaven any longer. It is not an event that is going to happen in the future. It's already happened in John chapter 12. John chapter 12, if you go back and read, it says, Jesus is telling, go back to John chapter 12. John chapter 12. John chapter 12, just read it quickly. John chapter 12. Mm -hmm. 
verse 30. Jesus answered and said, this voice did not come because of me, but for your sake. That means he's saying this voice that came from God is for your sake. Now is the judgment. When? Now is the judgment of this world. Now the ruler of this world will be cast out. When will he be cast out? At the cross. So is this thing in the future, this war in heaven, or is it that something that has already happened? It's already happened. The ruler of the world is cast out. Why is the ruler of the world cast out? Uh, see that verse, what does it say? Why is the ruler of the world cast out? Look at that verse. Why does it say now the ruler of the world is cast out? Verse 31. For the judgment of this You need to get this. I'll tell you why it's, it's so powerful. See, let's look at it. The reason the ruler of this world could be cast out is because the judgment of the world has come. See, I remember what I said you, the only reason the, the prosecutor can stop coming before the judge is the judgment has already happened. So how has the judgment happened? How has the judgment of the world come? How has the judgment of the world come? All the judgment was put on Jesus. See, it's a very judicial problem. It is not like, oh, judgment. God is judging Satan. No. God is not judging Satan. He's already judged. But that was not the problem. He was already judged. He's already under condemnation. But what caused him to fall from heaven or be cast out? Not his judgment. Our judgment has happened. Now, when when did the judgment happen? Not in the future. When? When Jesus was crucified. Do you get this? Do you understand this? That now is the judgment of the world. Now, how do we know that he's talking about the judgment that you and my judgment has happened? Look at verse 6. Now is the judgment of the world. Now the ruler of the world will be cast out. So beautiful, right? Isn't that so beautiful? When the world is judged, when you are judged, then Satan has no more reason to go before God because judgment has been... Let me tell you which, which prosecutor goes back to the judge after the judgment is passed. Nobody goes. They all argue, 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 accuse, 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 till then. Till judgment. Once judgment is done, what happens? Nothing. And if the guy shows up before the judge, what will the judge say? <laughs> what? what are you doing here? Either you are representing another client or there is some other bigger problem. Either you don't understand English language. Right? See, Satan understands law. He cannot go back because judgment has been passed. Now you understand this verse? Judgment of the world has happened? Has judgment happened? Yes. No double jeopardy. How many of you have seen the movie no, Double Jeopardy? You all have heard? Have you seen the movie Double Jeopardy? You have seen? You have heard the... Long time ago. Long time ago. Okay, this is as I hear it. 
as I hear it, this is what happens. This is powerful. This is interesting. There's this guy. I don't know the story, but I think this is what happened. There was a woman who was accused of murdering her husband, right? And so the judge finds her guilty. They all find the reason, and they put her in prison. And they finally, she goes into prison and serves the, a long term. I think 20, 25 years. After 25 years, she gets free from prison. She's come out and finds out that the one who tricked her, it was a scheme. Her husband had not died, had taken a different identity and was living, but wanted to put her in prison. Right? So now she comes out and she says, guess what? Now I'm okay. I can now kill, kill you legitimately. <laughs> So John chapter, so are we now in John chapter 12 or John chapter, Hebrews chapter 11? But look at this, what Jesus says. Okay, keep reading, John chapter 12. Now is the judgment of this world, now the ruler of the world will be cast out. He continues the sentence of judgment. He's talking judgment right now. The ruler of the world can only be cast out if judgment has been <coughs> passed. And it has been carried out. Verse 32, and he uses the word and. That means he's still talking about He's still talking about? He's still talking about? What is the subject? Judgment. Judgment. And the ruler being cast out. He said, this is what will cause it to happen. And if I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all to myself. Do you see the word people in that? Do you see that that word people is in italics? Right? The people word is not in the original Greek. So how should it read? If I am lifted up from the earth, then he says I will be lifted up. What is he talking about? No. 
cross because this is how Hebrews would understand. They would never use the word crucify. Very rarely. It's a very bad word. The Romans instituted it. So they would use the word, hey, the guy was lifted up. Or in today's word, we would use the word, oh, that guy hit the bucket. Right? It was a common word to signify crucifixion. How do we know that? Look at the next verse. Verse 33. This he said, signifying by? Ah! Because the death of crucifixion was called what? Being lifted up. The death by stoning was called? Death by stoning. Right? The Jews would always stone for blasphemy. If the death by hanging was called? Death by hanging. Judas was never called. He lifted himself up. Right? He hung himself. Correct? But Jesus used the word, a very technical word for crucifixion. He said, if I be lifted up. That's a, that's a rabbit trail out there which I will not go. The rabbit trail is, why did Jesus not die because of stoning? Why did he choose to die by crucifixion? Correct. Because if he had died by stoning, the curse will not have been attracted to him. See, God, Jesus wanted to attract all curse and judgment onto himself. The only way judgment and curse could be attracted to him was if he was, he would die on a tree. Because if he would die on a tree, the law will come into works. See, everything has to be technical. Because the law says, cursed is the man that hangs on a tree. You, this is one of my quiet times. This is about two weeks back. God was telling me, Anil, do you know why? Of all the things in the law, Jesus used that penalty to die. Because there are a lot of curses in the law, right? Cursed is he who does not honor his parents. Cursed is he who does not, you know, cursed is he for that. Cursed is he who blasphemes God. Cursed is he. Of all the things that God could choose to use his son to die under, right? Why did he use the curse of hanging on a tree? Have you thought about it? I mean, he's stoned to death also, he's suffering on his body. Why did he choose the death? Because so one thing is clear. He had to not only just die, but he had to attract what to himself? Right. Because he had to get rid of the curse in the world. Right? He had to get rid of the curse. Right? But because he died on a tree, the curse could be attracted. Because the law says, curse is the man that hangs on a tree. Because this is what the Holy Spirit was telling me. And I... And you can validate it yourself. He said, of all the things in the law, if he had done, if he had done, if he had got cursed because of anything else, it would have made him a defiled sacrifice. Like if he had lied and then became cursed, then he would his he could not become cursed for us. He would die his own death. He would have taken borne his own judgment. But of all the things in the law, only one act did not cause him to be responsible for it. 
because hanging on a tree was he did not hang who hanged him and by virtue of that he was not responsible for the deed that caused the curse but yet the curse got attracted to him and met the legality of righteousness and the ability to take a sacrifice for somebody else makes sense you understand the problem he could not do something to cause the curse but by being hanged on a tree guess what happened did he hang himself but was he hanged but does the curse say does care who hangs he hanged himself not hanged but what happens he becomes so when he was not responsible for the act but yet took the curse then whose curse is he taking see everything has to be technically correct so jesus says here if i be lifted up i will draw remember the word all people people is in italics so what does it read if i be lifted up or let's translate it in hebrew if i be if i be crucified or if i be hung on a tree i will draw all to myself so let me ask you a question so what will he draw all to himself because he's talking in context of ruler being cast out from heaven the only way the ruler from heaven will be cast out is judgment happens and how will the judgment happen because i am righteous if I, jesus you know what there's a problem that jesus had see this is unique because one of the days i was meditating and God, i think we talked about this once before see it's very easy for you to say that jesus can will take your sin correct correct jesus will take your sin jesus will take your sin jesus will take your sin but jesus has a problem jesus cannot take jesus even if jesus wants to take the punishment of your sin the punishment cannot come on him See why do punishments and judgments happen? When they do something, isn't it? But Jesus never did anything wrong. See, even see doesn't so, so you have this technical law problem, right? I think we are doing a lot of law today, but I think it is valid because the principality is all about law. Your position in Mount Zion is because of something that happened very judicially accurate on the cross. So what happened was Jesus even though because he was perfect judgment could not come to him. So even if he says father I will take all the judgments in the world but who will bring the judgment the bulls of Bashan the demon powers who kill him and torture him and bear the punishments or the instruments of his anger God's anger but cannot come on him because he's perfect So then what somebody is breaking the law right god have god will break the law right on a righteous man even if he wants to take the punishment cannot come do you see the problem do you see the problem for that is one of the reasons why god had a technical way in the law of all the things he left there is cursed is the man who hangs on a tree <laughs> oh that is so cool i mean who could have ever imagine this whole business of redemption is so accurate he left it there because that's the way that god could sneak in a way 
for Jesus to attract sickness and disease and judgment and darkness. Jesus would stay there the whole year. You, you hang him, you kill him, he will not die, man. Remember many times when the people, when the, in Nazareth, the people came, wanted to throw him off the cliff? He, he couldn't. <laughs> you cannot kill him. See, why does death happen? Why does death happen? Not because of somebody pushing you. That's what you think. See, th that brings you to another different picture of what's going on behind you. See, bad things happen to you not because there is something against you. No. Bad things happen to you because there is a judicial law working at play in this universe. That you are accused and you are, you are not righteous. That's why bad things happen. That is why when Cain when messed up and God put a mark on him, no one could kill him. Because he was marked. So people would kill him or, uh, or put a sword on him. This guy would not die. Because he was, guess what? He was? He was separated by that mark. He was registered. He had put a mark on him. Remember, we have a mark on us. On, the, on our head is what, you know? You know, we have a mark on our head. Come on, come on. Who would know what's the mark on our head? No. That is on the priest, on the high priest of Joshua. That is on Jesus. It says holiness to the Lord. Right? What is on our head? Come on. Come on. Son of God. No. Okay. Could be. Go, go back and read Revelation chapter, the letter to Philadelphia. And I will not read it, but somebody read it and tell me what was on our head. Revelation, the letter to the Philadelphian church, the last one. He talks about... Okay, read it, read it. Revelation, the book, the letter to Philadelphia. Revelation chapter 3, the letter to Philadelphia starts from verse 7 to 13. Okay, go and read verse 12. He who overcomes, I will make him a pillar of the temple of my God, and he shall go out no more. I will write on him the name of my God, and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem. Wow. Do you see the word again, writing something? Do you see registration there? What registration is going on there? City of my God. What? What? Which city is this? The New Jerusalem. The New Jerusalem. When you now you start seeing this picture, what is what is written on our head? The name of New Jerusalem. So that should have been an easy answer, right? What's written on our name? Mount Zion. <laughs> why is why why is that name written on the Church of Philadelphia's head? The people in the Philadelphia. What is the benefit of it? Separate. No, okay, okay. So, just what did you say? Because they separated themselves? They separated themselves? They did not separate. He himself separates, right? So, remember that. Remember that. I want you to get that picture. They are not separating themselves. 
This registration business is for your benefit. See, when God put a mark on Cain's head, it was for whose benefit? Was Cain intentionally now trying to avoid warfare? No, he didn't care because nobody could kill him. Because he was registered. So we have a registration and our registration says what? Psalms 87. What does that registration say? This one was born there. So what is he doing to Philadelphia? So when he writes the name on Philadelphia, he says, Philadelphia was born in Jerusalem. You get it? Do you see a consistency? Okay, now you say, Anil, but what is the benefit of? You said that the benefit of this separation is that we will be separated from evil. Where did we study that? Everywhere. John chapter 14, Malachi. Malachi, we studied that this, this, this is how you will discern between the righteous and the wicked that he who spares his only son, right? So is there a sparing going on in the Philadelphia church? Yes. yes. Which was? Oh, read it, read it. Let's read it. Re Revelation chapter? Verse 10. Verse 10. Can you read it? Because you have kept my command to persevere, I also will keep you from the hour of trial which shall come upon the whole world to test those who dwell on the earth. Wow! Isn't that cool? So he said the trial is coming upon the whole world. But guess what? What is the word that he used? I will Interesting. Where have you heard the word keep? Jesus praying. That's how we started this whole Bible study, right? Keep them in this world. Keep them in this world from the evil one. So is Philadelphia church being kept from the evil one in this world? From the hour of trial that is coming upon whom? The whole world. But how are they being kept? What special is they? Are they being spared? So now who is righteous? They are righteous. Because how do we know they are righteous? They are spared. Make sense? So, they are spared. How are they spared? What is their qualification? Nothing. Just, they're just registered guys. They're just registered. <laughs> Do you get this? When he says they persevered means they stayed in the name of Jesus Christ. This is not they persevered in the trial. No. What does this mean? Like, I'm keeping you away from the trial but you're persevering in the trial doesn't make sense he's saying I, he persevered in my name and therefore I'm just going to bless them and I'm not going to they are separated from Mount Zion they are in Mount Zion they're registered correct correct makes sense so they're kept from all this trial so are they being shaken when the whole world is getting shaken no let's go back to Hebrews chapter 12 so did he get judgment in Revelation, John chapter 12? Why the ruler in the world is cast out? Right? So we were in Revelation, right? The Satan was cast out. And this is what the Bible says. Okay, we'll close with that. But let's go back to uh, Hebrews chapter 12. Because we've been trying to close for the last one hour. <laughs> Hebrews chapter 12. Okay, Hebrews chapter 12. 
and then he says to the uh, to just men to the spirits of just men he calls us just on mount zion you are just you cannot make no mistake you are just made wow just men made perfect we are perfect on this mountain the accuser cannot come see that the reason we are kept and protected from the enemy is because we are not only saved from our past sins we are not only saved from our present sin our punishment has not only been completely paid up we are perfect and kept perfect forever so now satan has no authority to even come back against us got it you see the thing we are kept perfect just men made perfect which verse 23 got it so okay so what are the benefits of being in mount zion we are just men per made perfect then what is are we coming to on mount zion verse 24 to jesus who is there on mount zion jesus the mediator of the new covenant you know what does what does the new covenant say the new covenant says that i will remember i will be merciful to your unrighteousness and your sins i will remember no more and the spirit that is upon jesus i will put it on you and the words that are on his mouth i'll put it on your mouth and shall not depart from your descendants and from your descendants descendants forever that's all is the new covenant the new covenant says i will remember your sins no more uh should be jeremiah jeremiah 31 most likely yeah okay so says to jesus the mediator of the new covenant so what is jesus mediating is he mediating judgment is he mediating judgment no judgment is over he is the one who took the judgment why would he mediate judgment again he is mediating a new covenant the new covenant says i will remember your sins no more right and i will bless you and the blessing of abraham will come upon you right all the blessing prosperity health wealth will come upon you keep reading and to the blood of sprinkling that speaks better things than that of abel so jesus's blood speaks better things than that of abel abel's blood spoke what abel's blood was crying out for vengeance and accusation and condemnation see satan always went to god with the blood of whose blood abel's blood makes sense he's he's a prosecutor he's he doesn't care he doesn't say lord bobby has been very mad at me and he she said all kinds of thing, things about me he doesn't care he doesn't talk about how bad bobby has been against satan he says how bad bobby has been against somebody else he goes with the blood of victims he goes with the blood of your victims and he goes and says and he doesn't need lots of blood remember he just need one only one thing you lack he doesn't need lots okay so he says was right but the blood of but the the sprinkling of the blood of jesus christ speaks better things than the sprinkling of abel what is the better things that jesus's blood speaks redemption that jesus went with his blood to the mercy to god so remember he told Mary Magdalene after he rose again now he is going with the blood into the high priest to the most holy place correct and he has to sprinkle the most holy place why does he have to sprinkle the most holy place 
What happened in the holy place that needs sprinkling? Correct. Remember in the holy place, who used to come in the holy place? Right. But who else? Jesus, Jesus is the high priest. High priest is a type of what Jesus is going to do in the future. So Jesus, high priest went to the holy place because Jesus was going to go into the holy place one day. And the high priest goes into the holy place with the blood of the lamb. Jesus went into the holy place with his own blood because he was the lamb. So high priest didn't go into the holy Jesus didn't go into the holy place because of the high priest. <laughs> high priest just went into the holy place because he is portraying what's going to go happen with Jesus. Right? So why did Jesus go into the holy place with the sprinkling of the blood? What happened in the holy place that was undefiled? What, why did the holy place need cleanliness? Correct. What else? Who kept walking into the holy place? Satan. Satan had access into the holy place with God, accusing you before the Father God. So unless Satan sees what, can he stop coming? What does the blood represent to Satan? What does the blood represent to Satan? No, doesn't, he doesn't care. No, says, oh, Satan, don't come here. This is holy. Huh? This is very, very holy. No, 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 no. Remember we took the communion message? Communion, Passover from judgment. Why did the uh, angels stop going into some houses which had the blood? See, that's, okay. You need to understand this because it's again very true. The angel in the night of Passover walked from house to house and killed the firstborn. But when he saw blood on the doorpost, he passed over. Why? Did he have mercy? No. Yeah, they are registered. <laughs> I like that. So as the Sunday school guy said, what, I know the answer, you know, Stephen talks about, whatever be the answer, say Jesus, right? <laughs> so today's word, answer is? Registered. <laughs> okay, but why did the angel pass over when he saw the blood? Was he being merciful to the family? No. Because he's talking about double jeopardy. When the angel passed over the house with the blood, he's saying, when he looked at, so he goes around from house to house killing the firstborn. Why is he killing the firstborn? Because he's judging them. Because they made a mess, mess right? But when he goes to a house which has the blood there, so what, why, why does he stop them? Already been judged. How does he know that it has already been judged? What does the blood show, tell him? Oh, I agree. You are going back and forth, right? So, this is the answer, isn't it? No, no. Sac not sacrifice. Not sacrifice. What happened there in the house? He studied that in the communion message. The angel of death doesn't care. He doesn't care. His mandate is to kill the firstborn. So he goes from house to house killing the firstborn. So he comes to this house, he's about to kill the firstborn, and he sees the blood. He sees the blood of whom? Yes. So he sees the blood of whom? The lamb? But who is this lamb? The first one. Do you get it? 
So he goes around seeing who is there. The firstborn is dead. I don't need to kill. The firstborn in this house is dead. Firstborn is dead. It's not the blood of the lamb he's seeing. See, his mandate is not a oh, If there is lamb's blood, also you can also pass. No. He's not seeing blood. He's seeing the blood of the firstborn on the doorpost. He's saying, you know what? The firstborn in this house is dead. Okay, next house. See, now the accuser does not go into the house. When the accuser does not go into the house because of the firstborn dying, so what? No other death is the last, right? But all the other packages don't follow. Sickness, disease, poverty, everything is he cannot enter the house because the firstborn has died. Therefore, we are called the church of the firstborn. Make sense? Therefore, he cannot touch the church of the Make sense? Therefore, we are separated. Why? Because we have already been judged. Now is the judgment of the world. The firstborn took the judgment. Do you see, do you see a ticket? Do you see why Satan has no authority? It's not because you prayed hard or you fasted. Or you did good works. Or you tithed it. Oh, you did not tithe. Therefore, God is going to put money in like holes in your basket. What has that got to do with judgment? Just because you give more, God is going to spare you? It has nothing to do with judgment. See how misplaced the idea is of Satan? He'll try to you to focus on every other things except the fact that you have been judged in Christ Jesus already. That is truth. I bless myself in the God of truth. Make sense? So Satan, Satan has been cast down from heaven because... Okay, so we are talking about what? The sprinkling of, of blood which speaks of better things than that of Abel. So Jesus takes his blood after resurrection. Why could he, only, why could he enter the holy place only after resurrection? Only then he could take the blood that was spilled. So why could he not take the blood as if and not die? So all the Father God only wants blood, right? He could have been, remember he was scourged? Jesus was scourged, right? So Lord of blood was flowing all over, isn't it? Why could he not take that blood and go to the Holy of Holies and sprinkle it? Right? All he wanted was sprinkling of blood, right? He was scourged, yes or no? Did blood flow, right? In the garden of Gethsemane, did blood flow, right? He could have taken that blood and gone into the holy of holies, and he could have avoided dying. Why did he had to die? Okay, so tell me the answer. Yeah, why? Because remember, on the Passover night, what happened? Firstborn had to die. The lamb had to be killed. It is not just the blood. We say, oh, the blood of Jesus, the blood of Jesus, the blood of Jesus, the blood of Jesus. We use that word, right? Oh, I proclaim, I curse this in the blood of Jesus. 
not understanding what aspect about the blood of Jesus are we talking about? What aspect? Is it the red corpuscles blood that flow out of Jesus' blood had supernatural power to separate us from sin? No! The death of Jesus Christ! The Lamb had to die. Judgment had to come upon Jesus. He had to die. The blood is just a representation of the fact that the Lamb died. So when Jesus died, see, so Jesus had this problem. He had to die, but then he had to present this death to Father God. How does he do it without being raised from the dead? Where, who comes into the picture? Holy Spirit comes and raises Jesus up from the dead. For Jesus' sake? So that he could go. That's why when he met Mary Magdalene, he said, Do not touch me. Because I'm not ascended. Your redemption is not complete. I have to go and present this blood to the uh, Holy of Holies. Why? Doesn't my father know that I have paid the price? Yes. But who needs to know? Because what is going on there? Accusation is still going on there. So Mary cannot touch Jesus. Because Mary is one of us. <laughs> He's a sinner. Out of which came how many demons? Seven demons. I mean, boy, ch children, listen to me. I'm calling children, but I'm saying, Mary Magdalene had seven demons residing in her and came up. You're talking about evil, had place in her. But that Mary could not touch Jesus because he said, I need to go, not for your, for your sake, so that Satan has no accusation anymore left. He cannot walk in now and accuse you against me. I want to fellowship with you, but don't cling to me now. Now go to my father. Let me go. And he goes to Father God. And then he comes back. And then he comes in the midst of them, isn't it? Then he breaks bread with them. Then he eats. Then he tells the disciples, Hey, 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 touch me! <laughs> he says, touch me, touch me. Now because what? Now how can a sinful man touch a holy God? Come on, what is the answer? No. Registered. <laughs> now it's registered. Now it's Jesus, right? Because <laughs> now he's registered. She's registered in Mount Zion. Now they can touch us. Because who is here on Mount Zion? Who is here? Jesus is here. Jesus is in the midst of this mountain. His blood now speaks of better things than the sprinkling of Abel. Now you understood this whole business of sprinkling of blood issue? We thought oh, blood, blood of Jesus, blood of Jesus, blood of Jesus. What blood of Jesus are you talking about? I believe that Jesus died and took my judgment. That's when you, that's why when you take communion, you represent the blood, represent what Jesus bought blood of the death of Jesus Christ. That's why Paul says, in as much as you do this often, you proclaim the Lord's Let me ask you a question. That's why you have to take communion often. Then you feel judged in your body. Sickness, take communion. When you feel 
anxious about what your boss is going to do. Take a minute. When you feel accused by somebody unreasonably, take a minute. Why? Because what is all this? These are all effects of judgment. Somebody is trying to judge us. Who needs to hear the death of Jesus Christ? Father God in heaven, Jesus Christ, or the Holy Spirit? None of the above. Accuser. Who is God telling in Psalms 87? He's registered. He's registered. She's registered. She's registered. He's telling the enemies. When you proclaim the Lord's death, till he comes. Why do you not have to do it after he comes? Why do you don't have to do after he comes? There are no more enemies because who is with us? Jesus is physically with us. We don't need to proclaim Satan is not here. That's why we don't do communion after he comes. This communion, the proclaiming the Lord's death. So till he comes, you proclaim the Lord's death. To whom? To Satan. About what? What does he not understand about the death of Jesus Christ? Judgment and Jotsna. That's it. Now you understand how powerful communion is in the light of judgment and in light of separation. In this world, you are separated from Satan by proclaiming the death of Jesus Christ. Though he cannot have access in the heavenlies to you to accuse, he accuses you to yourself. And every time he does that, bring out the bread, bring out the blood, and say, Jesus, your body was judged. Your blood, you died. Therefore, uh, my body cannot be judged and I inherit all blessings. And therefore, I will be spared as a man spares his only child. And I will be righteous because I am spared. Make sense? Okay, let's go back to Hebrews chapter 12. So the blood of sprinkling speaks of better things than Abel. Do you want to complete Hebrews chapter 12 completely before we leave today? There are only four more verses. Okay? You all okay? Doesn't matter whether you see, I'm going to go and finish it. <laughs> see that you do not refuse him who speaks. For if they did not escape, he's talking about Israel on Mount Sinai. If they did not escape, who, refused, who spoke to on earth. See, on Mount Sinai, God spoke on earth. Correct? How, how much more shall we, shall we, oh wow, what is the word that it says? If we, if they did not, you, do you see the power of the word? What is this whole business about, Mount Zion? Separation. Separation. Or? Keeping. Keeping away. Or? Sparing. Sparing. Or? Escaping. What happened was on Mount Sinai, God gave them the law. It says, if you keep this law perfectly, right? Or, before that he said, I, will, I brought you as eagle's wings to myself, and I will keep you myself, right? Do you want to do that? They said, no, we don't want that. We will do our own work. So they refused God. They refused this deal that God was giving him. I will bring you into this land, According to the covenant of Abraham, they said, no deal. We will take 
the Ten Commandments. So God had to give them the law through angels because he didn't want to handle the law. That's how the Bible says. He, ha- he gave them the law through angels because he didn't want to do it. But when God gave Jesus Christ, he gave himself. Powerful. We know that, right? So they, they refused it. What was the deal to them? See, if you hear my voice, what will happen? You will? You will? If you hear my voice, you will happen what? According to this verse? For if they did not escape. So they did not escape. Correct? How much more we shall not escape if we turn from him who spoke from heaven. So if you don't listen to this voice that comes from heaven, that you are on Mount Sinai, on Mount Zion, in Christ Jesus, and you don't believe in Jesus, guess what happens? You cannot escape from the evil in this world. Got it? It's all about escaping. See how the Philadelphia church escaped? Right? Listen to this voice that you are on Mount Zion and receive me. Right? Got it. Keep reading. Whose voice then shook the earth. So guess what happened? God started shaking the earth. But now he has promised, I will once again shake not only earth, but also heaven. Yet, now this, yet once more, indicates the removal of those things that are being shaken as of things that are made. That means everything that is made with, with hands. Everything that is made with hands will be shaken. So every self-righteous means everything that is because of your efforts will be shaken. Everything will be shaken. So he says what? Yet once more indicates the removal of those things that are being shaken as of things that are made that the things which cannot be shaken may remain. So what are the things that cannot be shaken will remain? The things that are not made with human hands. What are those things? Mount Zion. Mount Zion is who established you? Psalms 87. The Lord himself. You get it? We are still talking about separation or not. When shaking happens in this world, do you expect to be shaken? Because you are in the world. No. Because you are not in the world as much as Jesus is not in the world. Correct? Correct? So we cannot be shaken, right? Because we are registered in heaven. We don't have an accuser right now. The blood of sprinkling has removed our accusations. Judgment cannot come on us. Therefore, shaking cannot happen. So you see the consequence? Shaking happens because of judgment. Correct? Okay, keep reading. Therefore, because in light of all that I've said about Mount Zion, verse 28, therefore since we are receiving, that means we are continuing to receive, we are continuing to receive a kingdom which, hallelujah, are you in this kingdom that cannot be shaken? There it is. What, 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 what can we do? Because we are in a kingdom that cannot be shaken, what happens? Let us have grace. Remember, we get it to this mountain because of grace. Right? So he says, let us continue to pursue grace. Don't go into the things that can be made with hands. Pursue grace. Because the more you establish and make your things on this mountain of Zion, that means on things that are on Christ, because of righteousness of Christ, is your children now in Christ? In the sense, do you trust Christ for your children? 
that means my my children are on mount sinai you say uh, but uh, brother my children are in a mess yes the children are in a mess and therefore you need to put them on mount sinai because on mount sinai you don't you who makes you perfect god who has sprinkling of blood jesus christ and irrespective of what we do on mount sinai you are not accused make sense got it okay keep reading we have a kingdom that cannot be shaken let us have grace by which we may serve god that is the only mountain that you can serve god acceptably remember when jesus said to the samaritan woman when the samaritan woman was talking about mountains you remember that he said we worship god in this mount gerazim in samaria but you jews worship god in mount in in jerusalem on the temple mount and jesus told what come on what did jesus say a time will come we are there that you will worship on this mountain on mount gerazim in samaria or or in jerusalem there he shows that that is not also on the mountain that we are supposed to worship in it is not in jerusalem the right now jerusalem is not the mount sinai but he who worships god when spirit and truth which mountain is that so he doesn't say that they will not worship on a mountain he says it is not on this mountain it is not on that mountain but it is definitely on a mountain which mountain is that mount sinai why because he says of such the of such of such worshipers the father is See, the father is seeking worshippers from which mountain? See, is mountain important to God? In fact, Jesus throughout his ministry always went on a mountain. He would go to a mountain and call his disciples, "Come up to the mountain." The Bible says they all went to each one to his home, and Jesus went to the mountain. It's so powerful. You start seeing this word mountain. Jesus was always on a mountain. he when he was resurrected he told uh, in mark and luke you can go go back and see he says go to galilee and to the mountain in which you are appointed which mountain were we appointed after resurrection mount sinai and the bible says in acts chapter 1 it says they went from a they, they went from jerusalem a sabbath day journey to an upper room see so beautiful they went from jerusalem which is the mountain then of worship there correct they left mount of jerusalem the mount of olives he went from there to a sabbath day's journey to uh, upper room where did they go they went to mount zion the appointed mount why why does it say a sabbath day's journey Sabbath day's journey. What does Sabbath indicate? Rest. Rest means it is a finished job. You finished. It's an easy job. You don't have to work on the Sabbath. You get in into this mountain in the rest of Jesus Christ, in the finished work of Jesus Christ. You see the picture? And on Mount Zion in Jerusalem, what happened? The disciples. The Holy Spirit came exactly at Isaiah prophesied. In Isaiah chapter thirty-one, if I'm not mistaken, you can go back and read. I don't know if it says, "On that mountain, on that tabernacle, a pillar of cloud 
and pillar of fire shall come upon every dwelling. Did you know that there's a prophecy like that? Did you know that? In Isaiah there's a prophecy that on Mount Zion, on every dwelling, there will be a pillar of cloud and a pillar of fire. Your own individual pillar of cloud and pillar of fire. Did it happen? When the Holy Spirit fell and fire, flames and divided tongues appeared on each one, on Mount Zion. Guess what? The same blessing that Israel walked under in the wilderness, we have it in Christ Jesus on Mount Zion. Isn't that beautiful? Okay, keep reading and let's close with that. So we serve God acceptably. Remember that verse where Jesus, God, God, Jesus told the Samaritan woman, of such worshippers the Father is pleased. He's seeking. He's seeking such worshippers. Which worshippers? Worshippers who worship where? On Mount Zion. On the finished work of Jesus Christ. Okay, keep reading. For our, So we can serve God acceptably with, with reverence and godly fear. Remember we said Zechariah's prophecy we started off that we shall serve God without fear in holiness. See, godly fear, that means good fear. That means respectful fear, not fear of being frightened of God. Make sense? For God is a consuming fire. How? Why does it close with that? So God is a consuming fire. Did not change it. But on Mount Zion, you are not afraid of this consuming fire. Who is afraid of the consuming fire? On which mountain? On Mount Sinai. See, if you want to serve God, and God is a consuming fire, only on Mount Zion can you serve this God without fear. Because the Bible says, God's nature has not changed. God has not become suddenly very merciful because of Jesus Christ. God's characteristics has not changed. He is still a God of consuming fire. Oh, this is great, right? So it's not like God has suddenly become very nice. No, he is still a God of consuming fire because we know he doesn't change. When he comes a second time, all of the earth will burn. But we have a privilege. What happens to that fire when we meet him? It doesn't burn us. Because Isaiah prophesies, and we'll take that in the next session. He says, in Mount Zion, you will be delivered from the spirit of burning. Because somebody got burned already. Judgment has already happened. See, when Elijah offered sacrifice, remember? The fire consumed the altar, the stones, the water, everything. That means, what was God telling you? What was God telling by that? No. That means the work is, there is not enough, there is not enough sacrifice to finish it. Your sin is more than the sacrifice. I have more fire left to burn. And where are the other lamps? But on Jesus on the cross, when the fire fell, who got consumed? The fire got consumed. That's why Jesus remained to say what? It is, it is finished. Hallelujah. Isn't that cool? It's finished. That means the fire could not consume Jesus because the sacrifice is greater than the judgment. 
judgment. So you can now go easily, man. I'm telling you, Rajesh, you can walk around with a billion dollars in your bag because you owed God $500 and God gave you a billion dollars in the bank. And you're like, seriously, God, I owe $500. Why is there $5 billion in my bank? God says, ah, just take it. It's an overpayment. It's an overpayment. The judgment of Jesus Christ on the cross is an overpayment that can never run out on you. Never run out on you. Therefore, the accuser is not like, time out, time out, time out. He just crossed the sin limit. More than what Jesus paid. Here I am, God. <laughs> Satan cannot. More than we can ever sin out in our lives, he has provided the judgment. But what does that cause us? Does it cause us to sin more? It causes you and I to spend more time studying Mount Zion. <laughs> I mean, I'm telling you, this revelation of the knowledge of the goodness of God in Christ Jesus opens parables in the Bible that you've never seen. Every day morning I wake up and I go in my quiet time and I come out and say, Milo, did you know what I just studied? The other day I was talking to Milo, do you know about the plant of Jonah? The plant of Jonah is everywhere in the Bible. I was like, what? You, do you know the plant of Jonah is a mystery? It talks about Jesus Christ. Oh, it's so beautiful. One day we'll take that passage. And it comes up in Isaiah 53. Clue. Who has believed the report? To whom has the arm of the Lord arm been revealed? He grew up like a tender shoot. Ah. Oh, I'll just leave it to you at like rest of the things later. Right? Teaser. teaser. That's a teaser for next time's Bible study. But Mount Zion has not even started, right? brothers and sisters, I have so much notes on Mount Zion because I have not even started Isaiah to know your rights of Mount Zion. You should read Isaiah, the prophecies that talks about on Mount Zion, the wolf and the lamb shall lie together. Nobody can make them afraid. They, the, young, the young man shall die a hundred years. A child, a, a, weaned, a weaned child, a, a, a suckling child shall play with vipers and a green child shall put his hand and pick up snakes and Jesus started using the same verses after his resurrection he says you cannot take up snakes you remember that verse? because of the fulfillment of Mount Zion prophecy in Isaiah he says a green child and what's a green child? in First Peter and Colossians he says he who is trained in the word of righteousness is weaned that is the more righteousness conscious we are in Christ Jesus you can start taking serpents as fulfillment of Mount Zion prophecy. You can take serpents. You could take, even a newborn believer can play with vipers. But a wean child can pull out vipers. Why? How does a wean child have power? Because a wean child in the Bible says wean means trained in righteousness. Because the more you know who are in Christ Jesus and it's not judgment is passed, you can now Take serpents? What do you mean take serpents? That means you have authority over all demons. Cambodia, those powers of righteousness. How can you attack these principalities? Because the more conscious you are, you're weaned, you're weaned, you're weaned, and, and you're trained on the word of righteousness in Christ Jesus. Now you can take authority. Now you have no problem. Because the enemy comes, because the enemy has no authority in heaven. So when he comes and confuses you, ah, you touch me, I'm going to touch your child. And average believer who is not established on righteousness, guess what happens? Uh, did I sin yesterday? You know? 
gets afraid, right? Not that God accuses him. Not that he has access to heaven. He accuses himself. He says, if we have confidence with ourselves, we have confidence with God. Paul talks about it, right? Confidence. Confidence is this accusation, judgment issue. The more you are confident in your righteousness in Christ Jesus, you are not afraid. So when the enemy goes, you touch me, I'm going to touch your child. You say, I don't care. You go out in Jesus' name. I don't care about your accusation because I know I'm not judged. My judgment has already been paid on Jesus Christ and I'm totally on Mount Zion. You cannot touch me. Gave the anti-Jew prophecies in the Bible. Oh, you should see the king of Assyria in Isaiah. King of Assyria, you remember the prophecy about Sennacherib? The king Sennacherib has this threat second head. Hezekiah, it's a picture of Satan. And we'll talk about it next time. Praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God is good. So, the bottom line is that you are separated. Say separated. I am separated. I am separated from evil in this world. So, when the enemy comes with sickness and disease in this world, don't stand with it. Start saying, I am registered in heaven. I, I need to be spared. I am going to walk in the favor. Can you start receiving it? It's not about what you do. It's about what you are on Mount Zion. Amen? Amen.